Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoopsville on this Monday evening. I am your host, Dave McHugh. Welcome in. A little bit of camera change there. Yep, I have to make an adjustment. We had our, another camera fail on us right before the broadcast. Sorry for our delay, but we're here and we're operational, as they say. So we'll figure it out. Some little glitch in the system and we'll... It's a minor one, though. We'll take it. If you got questions for us, you can always t- uh, tweet us or excess or whatever it's called. Post at us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. You can also do that on Instagram. Even threads, you can follow us at D3Hoopsville. We haven't figured out how to follow along on threads, to be honest, or Instagram, for that matter. We're also on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Waiting for our live simulcasting to get rolling there on facebook not sure what the delay is everything is set up properly but you know how this these things can be um and of course if you got questions for us you can also email us hoopsville at d3 sports.com that's hoopsville at d3 sports.com that's the way to chat with us we'll look forward to hearing from you want to hear everything you might have to th- think about in the opening month of the season which has been Somewhat fascinating. New top 25 on the men's side is out. Women's side uh, is a little outstanding. We're waiting for that to come back in. Uh, A couple of votes still haven't been processed on the women's side, but they'll be out soon. I'm getting a hint from Gordon that we don't have any too many uh, surprises. There are um, two schools that'll move in, two schools that'll look like they'll move out, barring any significant changes. One of them... Old Mid-Atlantic region will move in. One in the Central region will move in. Uh, one in the in Region 10 will move out. And one in Region, I think that's three, will move out as well. But we'll wait for that to be official, official along the way. So there you go. Um, got questions for us? You know how to get a hold of us. It's right there at the bottom of your screen as well. Just a quick note. Great weekend of soccer. Uh, in Division Three, uh, I was in Salem, Virginia, in the Roanoke Valley, once again, uh, enjoying a tremendous hosting, as it always is, in Division Three by those uh, at the Old Dominion Athletic Conference in the city of Salem, and of course, uh, the tourism groups down there, Kerry Harvey Cutter, Brad Banks, and J.J. Nekoloff, and everybody else involved. Tremendous effort there with those championships congratulations to cal lutheran first ever women's championship congratulations to st olaf first ever men's championship defeating teams that have won titles in the past on the women's side wash U was upended in the title game and on the men's side amherst has lost for the third time in four championship tries since 2015 they won a title in 2015 and didn't get back in 20... Well, they have done it in all these other odd years. That's why it's in my head this way. But didn't do it in 2017. 2019, they got to the title game, lost to Tufts. Got to the title game in 2021. Lost to Connecticut College in penalty kicks. So uh, Amherst licking their wounds a little bit. But tremendous weekend of soccer. It was fun to be there. Great to see Ira Thor and, and call games with him again. That was my 11th championship uh, in soccer that I've called. Lost track of how many I've called in men's basketball. I've been to every single one since 2001. So there you go. Um, tonight we're going to kind of hybrid the show a little bit. We're going to hear from our pundits for the first time this season. Bob Quillman and Matt Snyder will be joining us to talk about a little bit about the top 25, but more about hey, we're a month into this season. What do we got? What do we got to talk about? Um, 
Who, who are some teams that are surprising us? Who are some teams that maybe we're not paying attention to? Who are their top teams? Because if you look at the latest top 25, you might be noticing that there's quite a few men's teams that are receiving votes. Four, in fact, as the new top 25 is out. Also, and a new number one, for that matter. We'll also just get their take on things a month into the season. We're hoping to do that. I have not talked to the guys yet, but we're hoping to do that on the women's side later on the Thursday show, which will be our first Thursday show of the season. We hope that will come up again uh, later in the week. If not, we'll get them next week. But that's our goal here is kind of the the beginning of everything. Let's get our foot in the water a little bit and see what the first month of the season is. Here's an incredible stat. Some teams including those we'll be talking to tonight, have already played a third of their allotted schedule, not counting conference tournaments, but of the 25 games. They've played about a third of them already a month into the season, and we still got two and a half months, two, two and a half months of season left. So some teams will literally be done with a third of their schedule before we hit the third of the season. An interesting scenario, I thought. So we'll talk to some of those because coming up, we will talk to Tufts men's basketball coach, Brandon Linton. And we will also talk to Wisconsin Whitewater women's coach, Carrie Carollo. Great to talk to Carrie again. We actually talked to her earlier today. We'll air that interview. Yeah, I think you'll find it rather insightful, very fascinating on her perspective on things. What she tells her team about games that are not in the conference and early in the season and much more. So looking forward to hearing that one played back. And then Brandon Linton, we have actually, I don't believe, talked to him since he took over the Jumbo squad. I'm looking forward to talking to him about what he thinks of the program and the NESCAC and all of that, because they're off to a tremendous start. They have moved up in the top 25. In fact, they are now 12th, jumping from 23rd. In last week's poll, uh, and they're playing some darn good basketball, if you look at it. Uh, They beat Emerson in overtime to get the season started. They have beaten Babson, Endicott, MIT, who admittedly is having a bit of a struggle this season. Framingham State, which is having a good uh, season. I think a lot of people have high expectations of Framingham State to confirm, though they're 4-7. and So maybe I got got that wrong. Uh, They did... uh, Oh, I've got the wrong season here. I apologize. Hold on a minute. I clicked on the wrong season. I was looking at last year's season, which would make a whole lot more sense if I was on the correct season. Sorry. Miss punch there. 8-0 are the Jumbos, as we mentioned. Be Endicott, Emerson, Suffolk, MIT. Again, no, having a struggle season. Mass Boston and WPI then beat a pretty decent Clark squad. That's Clark's only loss of the season, then beat Mass Dartmouth. They've got a game against St. Joseph's ahead and Keene State all in the next five days. So looking forward to talking to Brandon Linton about things and how they've started there as well. If you're joining us on the YouTube stream, thanks for joining us. Go ahead, chat. Let us know how things are going. Love to hear from you. If you're trying to join us on the Facebook stream, I'd love to tell you what's going on. But for some reason, uh, Facebook is having trouble connecting. Everything is correct on our end. Can't really say what's up, but we will continue to try and fix that. I'm literally, as we speak, as I'm talking to you, going in and updating the link 
because something clearly wasn't working. So we were hitting the save button again and hitting the refresh button again and seeing if maybe that will trigger things on the Facebook side. If you're listening to the podcast, let me apologize now. We have, as of me broadcasting this, have not gotten our podcasts out this season. Had some problems with the first couple, and then I got very busy. So I'm hoping this week to get all of our podcasts organized and get them out as they can be. The first one will be rather sparse. The second one will will be as it is, and then we'll go from there. And then we should be good to go the rest of the season. Just a lot on our plate and a little bit of a struggle, as you can probably imagine. So if you are a podcast fan, you're wondering where the show is, and you're finally listening to it, or you're listening to these comments, which meant you may have gotten through the first three already, or you've just jumped to this one, apologies for our delay in getting that information to you. It is certainly not our intention to uh, foul that up, as it were. So maybe there's an issue on Facebook side, by the way. I'm not sure what's going on, but we will continue to move on and monitor that in the meantime. Uh, I will say this. If you are a friend of the D3 boards out there, they're back up and running today. They did go down for a short bit of time. If you are curious... Pat has been trying to keep those things up and running for a little bit of time now. Uh, They need some love, and they need some love of the kind that is starting to get difficult to keep them going. Not that they'll disappear necessarily, but Pat is doing his best. So just be with us, bear with us, as it were, and and, uh, hopefully we can improve them in the future. Pat was telling me uh, one of the big um, crashes recently lost a full day's worth of data. So that certainly stinks. A quick note on the men's side, looking at the previous top 25, of course, Wisconsin Whitewater losing to Carthage uh, in their only game in in the vote. Lost by four. Carthage was receiving votes. Uh, I was voting for them, but not everybody was. In fact, I've got my top 25 here. We'll talk about it coming up. Uh, So Whitewater lost to Carthage. Uh, Hamden-Sydney lost to Guilford by nine. It was an interesting conversation to see on Twitter where some people said the Carthage win over Whitewater wasn't an upset. Others said it was. And then it seemed to be the roles reversed when it came to Guilford beating Hamden-Sydney. Guilford was number 11 and beat the number 2 at the time. Carthage receiving votes defeated Whitewater. In my book, those are both upsets. Because as the voters saw it, the top teams did not win. It wasn't two versus three. It wasn't even one versus five. It was two and 11, and it was one versus receiving votes, 30th in the vote category. So I considered them both upsets because uh, I certainly wasn't voting Guilford ahead of Hamden Sydney myself, though I certainly am now. John Carroll continues to be un, uh, undefeated. Mount Union lost their only game to Wilmington by a single point, and the voters uh, adjusted them accordingly. In fact, we'll talk about that coming up. Calvin remains undefeated. They are 6-0. Got a win over Lacrosse by 13. Oswego continues to be undefeated. They won three games this week. St. Lawrence in a dandy of a game, 66-58. SUNY Potsdam and Plattsburgh State. They handled Plattsburgh 101-72. Keene State continues to roll along. They're 6-1. Beat Albertus Magnus. I think that was a big one and won easily, 94-77. And then got past Southern Maine. NYU continues to win. So does Case Western Reserve, Christopher Newport. Guilford, as we mentioned, got two wins this week. WPI suffered their first loss to number 23 Tufts in an upset. Uh, 67-58, one of the reasons we got Tufts coming on the show, in fact. 
Wash U continues to do well as a Swarthmore Williams Emery. Redlands lost to Cal Lutheran. I think that's surprising. I think a lot of people thought, okay, Redlands lost earlier, uh, got, took their first loss. Not not the worst thing in the world, but the loss to Cal Lutheran to start conference action. That's a little on the surprising side. Redlands 4-2. and two. Trinity continues to play well. Marietta lost to Heidelberg. Illinois Wesleyan lost to Elmhurst. Uh, before beating Carroll, Virginia Wesleyan lost to Randolph-Macon. I, I considered that a significant result, especially considering it was a 50-41 game. Just don't see that on the men's side. Uh, Virginia Wesleyan did get past Lynchburg 70-55. By the way, we'll be talking about it in the near future, I assure you. The ODAC is a bonkers conference this season. Um, down in Roanoke, had a chance to obviously talk to those who are close to the ODAC, but also got a chance to talk to my friend Clay Nunley. Um, who whose team lost themselves recently, uh, actually went up and lost to uh, Shenandoah, I believe it was, on Saturday. Shenandoah's good. Uh, Lynchburg isn't as good as I thought they might be, but they could improve. It is a, a Ferrum is off to a hot start. Uh, it's really going to be a matter of who isn't good versus who is good. That, that'll that be more of the conversation, I think, in that conference. Oshkosh didn't play anybody. Tufts continue to win. Try and continue to win. Pomona Pitts continue to win. That's the old tw- top 25. On the women's side, quick note, uh, NYU continues to win. It was a surprise. NYU became the new number one. We mentioned that last week. Transylvania continues to win. So does Christopher Newport, Rhode Island, Scranton, Whitewater, Wartburg. Tufts lost to MIT, 66-63. Harden-Simmons lost to East Texas Baptist, but beat Letourneau. Because Davis Adolphus continues to go well. Trinity lost twice. I'm sorry, once. I misread that. Lost to Rhode Island College, who is absolutely playing wonderful basketball, and then beat Stevens. Chicago lost to Whitewater. We'll talk to Kerry Carollo coming up about that. Smith continues to win. Trinity, uh, Texas is winning. Loris lost both. That was the one I was looking at when I misread the previous one on Trinity. They lost to Wartburg. Okay, ranked ahead of them, but lost to Platteville, 71-57. Milliken is undefeated still. Whitman lost to Willamette. That's a bit of a surprising result. Elizabethtown lost to Catholic in double overtime. I think it was more impressed, uh, not only that Elizabethtown um, played that well, um, but that is their second loss. E-Town's a good women's team. They did beat Lycoming rather easily. And the rest of the top 25 did well other than Mass Dartmouth. Emory trying to sales hope. Amherst and Mary Washington all won. Mass Dartmouth lost to Bridgewater State and likely is coming out of the top 25 when we see the new top 25. Speaking of the top 25, we got to get on to our pundits in a little bit. We, but if you got questions for them or you got questions for me, you can always interact with us on YouTube. Um, where we're live simulcasting the show. You can also join us on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, at d 3 Hoopsville. Uh, you can also join us on Facebook. It, it just won't start its stream, the, the simulcast. Something's up, I think, on Facebook's end. It is not most certainly on our end, unfortunately. Um, so lots of ways you can interact with us. We'll do our best. I do have... Um, the tweet deck up and running in front of me in case any of you do have questions. I will try and keep uh, track of those questions that may come in. If you um, individually message us on our Hoopsville account, um, I will not see it necessarily right away, but I'll try and jump on it as soon as I can. So there you go. So lots of good stuff going on in Division Three. I can't believe we're a month in. Honestly, cannot believe we're a month into the season. Uh, it... it I know we. I got a slow start to the season. I've been certainly jammed up with a lot of other things, 
but it certainly stunned me that we're a month into this year already. Granted, starting on the 8th of November uh, plays a role in that. Um, I, I just don't get used to it. And we got some great basketball ahead just in the month of December. Of course, the D3Hoops.com Classic in Las Vegas is upcoming. Got some great games scheduled there. But we're going to be in January before we know it and neck deep in conference action. And that is certainly going to keep us on our toes. Um, by the way, quick note, we have not talked about the national committees. Uh, we're, we're biding our time before we wade, wade into that stuff. But just a reminder that Luke Fle- uh, Flukertzi, the head coach at Rochester, is the men's basketball committee chair. And he took advantage of the college football playoffs and the kerfuffle, kerfuffle there is going on there and uh, sent out a, a, a social media post regarding uh, how we we select things in uh, Division Three land. It's a simple set of, of uh, posts, but it's worth a read just to remind you of it. We'll certainly dive into that uh, in the near future. Look forward to having him and Megan Wilson, who continues to be the women's chair on the show in the near future. We'll have them on to discuss things just to kind of prep you. It, it, it's always a balancing act with me of when do we wade into the weeds a little bit? When do we get into the stuff that a is really not a, a deep conversation until early to mid February, but B uh, will go a little bit over everybody's heads that aren't fully following at this time of the year. Uh, I don't know if we'll make that a Christmas present or a holiday present of whatever kind you want to call it prior to our holiday break, or if we'll do that when we come back in January, but we'll certainly be getting on the chairs soon enough to, to wade into things and talk a little bit about some of the changes. The fact that I'm hearing pairwise is coming to division three. It's kind of a, uh, a, a semi secret uh, that it's coming and whether that's any good. Uh, there's a lot of topics I want to talk about, you know, talk playing outside of regions is and we're going to, I want to dive into some of the challenges that are coming there. We've got a lot of schools that are in financial trouble. St. Rose, a division two school in New York closed to say that caused ripples in Division Three would be an understatement. There were many who were talking about that topic wherever I go. Uh, we'll try and dive into that in the in the next few weeks as well. Not necessarily who's in danger of closing, because we continue to follow the Birmingham Southern story, obviously, uh, as they remain open, but for how long, we don't know. But more along the lines of, what should we expect? And it's interesting, depending on everybody's uh, perception or they're, where they're located, they've got a different answer to that question. With that in mind, we'll take a break. Reminder coming up, Brandon Linton of Tufts will be joining us, and Carrie Carollo of White, Wisconsin Whitewater will be joining us. Also, top 25s are out. We'll talk more about them as we get closer, including with Bob Quillman and Matt Snyder. They're joining us next here on Hoopsville. We'll take a break and then talk to them about everything that is their thoughts on the opening month to the season. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com. Remember, if you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to listen to Hoopsville. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at nabc1927. That's nabc.com 
or NABC 1927 on social media. I used to never really talk, ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us, to, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. If I lose, I'll respond with respect. If I win, I'll back it up with humility. If I fail, I'll rise up with honor. It's tough for us to put it all on the line. Don't undo my hard work with poor sportsmanship. Respect, it's the name of the game. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. Always helpful to unmute your microphone when you turn your microphone on. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. On this Monday evening, quick note, we are going to be going back to our Monday-Thursday schedule this week. Looking forward to getting back to the Thursday effort. 
Looking forward to talking to more coaches, more student athletes, more prognosticators and pundits and whomever else we can dig uh, up to put in front of us on air. Uh, it's always a blast. And if you want to join us, uh, find a way to do so. There's certainly ways to interact with us down below. If you are a fan of our Facebook stream, for reasons that befuddle me, we uh, it's not been up and running, but I'm pretty sure that's not on our end anymore. Uh, it's on Facebook's end, but if it pops up, we'll get going on it. All right, so the new Top 25 is out. The second one that we've seen in season uh, on both the men's, or on the men's side. The women's one has not popped up just as of yet. We're looking forward to seeing that in the near future. If we can, uh, we'll get an update on it as soon as we can. But on the men's side, four teams are receiving first place votes. John Carroll is your new number one with Calvin number two, Guilford number three, Oswego number four. They're all receiving first place votes. Guilford jumping from 11 to three. Keen is now rounding up out your top five. But by the way, quickly, Whitewater, Hamden, Sydney, Case Western, Reserve, NYU, and Christopher Newport round out your top ten. What do we think of all this and the opening start to the season? Well, joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, it's a couple of prognosticators and pundits for us: Bob Quillman and Matt Snyder. Of course, Quillman, the now host of QCast, the IWHoops.com host, uh, and Matt Snyder, the co-host of D3 Datacast. Guys, good to see you for the first time this season. I'm sorry it took so long to get you on the show. You too, Dave. I was thinking today, this is what, the 21st season of Hoopsville, and and I believe that, uh, I believe I joined you at some point back 21 years ago, and just about every year since. So it's great to be back with you, and I am I appreciate that you're cranking this out. It's it's awesome to have you back. Hey, I think you're right. I, I kind of vaguely remember Bob, uh, Pat tossing me your number or something in the opening season i'm pretty when, sure when pat realized i was sick enough to try and do this program <laughs> uh and we needed more than me and jared re- reading off scores uh, <laughs> so great to have you matt uh a little bit more of the newbie of the group but you're also the more of the the data driven guy great to have oh, you yeah. back on I'm glad to be here, Dave. I wasn't quite a guest 21 years ago. I'm sure you were guys you were just young kids back were then. Were you born? Yeah. Uh, I was a literal child 21 years ago, a <laughs> uh, teenager, actually. But uh, okay, yeah. I'll take teenager. I'll take teenager. That <laughs> makes me feel better. The gray, the gray hair doesn't hurt as much. Uh, gentlemen, uh, listen, we knew going into this season, uh, and I listened to the QCast. I've listened to as much of the data cast as I can. We all knew this was going to be a bit of a topsy-turvy year. I think maybe a little surprise that Christopher Newport isn't as strong coming out of the gate as we expected. But listen, with parity, anything's possible, right? But we've had three different number ones in three polls. Um, no one seems to be dominating necessarily. And I'm kind of here for it. I don't know about you, Matt. Yeah, I think that's one of the fun things for this year. I think we expected it to some degree coming into the season, as you said, Dave, but it's it's been, um, as a voter, every week I go into it just not knowing what to do. I feel like there's 40 or 45 teams that could make my ballot. There's like 10 or 15 teams that I feel good about like making a Elite Eight uh, Final Four run at some point this season. So I think there's going to be this churn through every single poll this year. And I think I agree with you. That's what makes it fun. There's a lot of good teams, a lot of parity, I think, in Division Three men's basketball this year. Completely agree with you on that. Bob, what's your take on, on the early start of this? Uh, I, w- I think I had a tweet today where I was joking that like my top 25 ballot is like a Grinnell game and, and that like 
I'm ready to make wholesale changes every week where five come out and five come in. That's really what I did <laughs> Yeah. this week. I, I mean, I took five and I said, okay, you're good. You're great. You lost the game. I got five ready to go. I, I love that kind of season. Um, at the top in the off season, there was a chance that Christopher Newport would be like the preseason number one and just be the number one all the way to the end. And I think the great thing about the year from a fan's perspective is that didn't happen. You know, they lost right off the bat. They lost two games quickly and we have a ball game here. So now we have another number one and that's John Carroll. And there's honestly, there's several teams that, that are all about as good as each other. And so this, this is a really fun season. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't know about the five in five out last week. Most certainly <laughs> I had a I had a ton that removed. Uh, this week I was a little bit more subdued, and I don't know if it was just because of the ballot I had, or just I kind of saw some games coming that I was like, "Hold on, I want to see that game, or I want to test the waters." So who knows? There's 25 voters for a reason. Damn it! Um, I'm gonna get to the number ones later. We'll we'll get down to that. We'll tease that a little bit. But I, I first want to kind of get from your guys' sense. Anyone that's surprising you, that's just jumping off going, holy cow, this is not what I expected in the opening month, Bob? For me, and you know, you said we could take this in a good or bad direction, meaning surprising yep, in a good absolutely. way or surprising in a bad way. So I'm going to go the, the negative way with, um, with Mary Harden-Baylor. I went up to the Jack Sigma Invitational opening weekend, and the Mary Harden-Baylor team that I saw that Saturday night against Illinois Wesleyan was to me looked like a final four team. I mean, they made tough contested shots. They defended, they had inside outside balance, they rebounded. And for Mary Harden Baylor to be sitting here two and four, uh, two of the losses to really good teams, St. Thomas and Trinity of Texas, good teams, the Texas Lutheran and Concordia, um, nothing against those teams. It, I would have expected Mary Harden Baylor to win those games. And so my biggest surprise, just after seeing them play in person, I, I left the Shirk Center that night thinking that is that is easily a team that can get to the second weekend of the tournament, and I'm just very surprised at where they're sitting. They don't look like the same team. When I watch them, on they, they look uh, out of sorts somehow, and I can't put my finger on it, but that, that's mine, Dave. I think it's a great one. I, I certainly thought highly. I don't remember where I had them in my preseason ballot, but – to see them two and four with a guy like Josiah Johnson and, and and other talent that they've got and have had and the expectations that they have and I and I know their coach was certainly looking forward to this season to see them stumbling and almost putting themselves already in a spot that they're going to have to win the conference to get in stuns me early yeah. on Matt any follow up to Bob thought um. Yeah, so for my, for my surprising team, um, I, I hate to turn this into a ne negative segment here, but I'm going to take Mount Union. Um, I, I dropped them off my ballot this week. I, I saw they did stay in the poll at number 11, so maybe I'm the one uh, reacting too strongly, and I'm open to that. Um, but they took a loss to Wilmington this week. But for me, it's not just the loss to Wilmington. I look at Mount Union's results to date. Um, and like when we last saw them, they were in the Final Four in Fort Wayne, and they were about ready to win the whole darn thing, right? So they looked great. This year, it's just I haven't quite seen that team. They, they, like I said, they took that loss to Wilmington this past week, but they also took overtime wins over Scranton and Gwynedd Mercy. And those teams are fine, but they're not either out to great starts. And it wasn't a, a, a top 10 performance I've seen out of Mount Union yet. 
Um, and to Bob's point about just, you know, next next man up in the top 25 ballot, I, I took a break on Mount Union. Um, again, not a loss I wanted to see them take and just some other results. I think it's going to, I just want to see something out of Mount Union uh, that I haven't seen this year and not, nowhere near like that final four almost national championship team that we saw a year ago. And David begs the question, like at what point of the season do you, do you forget about what your preseason expectations were? You know, like we all thought Mount Union was like a top three team coming in as we should have. Um, they returned most of their team from the team that lost in the final possession of the national championship game. But then you see them play this year. And again, some really strange close games. And then the, the loss to Wilmington. At one point, do you say like, that's not the team that I expected and I'm just voting on this year? That's what Matt did. And I respect the heck out of it. I'm still sort of like tied to, okay, they're going to figure this out. And so I'm going to keep voting for them somewhere middle of the poll. Um, I, I don't quite know what to do with them either. I, I do think they'll figure it out, but they haven't played very well. No, actually, what Matt says gives me pause that maybe I'm I'm being a little too um, giving to them. And I'm not necessarily voting on what I saw last year. Certainly, that drove me for the preseason. I'm more like, okay, it's early in the season. You know, you still get kind of grumbles and you get, you get some issues. You got to figure them out. You got to play through them. You got a big target on your back. But to your point, Matt, Scranton is not exactly a world beater as what we see right now. Right. Some of their results are not great. Gwen and Mercy is always a well-coached team, but they're not they're not supposedly on the same par as Mount Union. Maybe I'm treating them too kindly and giving them too much of the benefit of the doubt. Not based on last year, just on, oh no, no, you've got a couple games to figure it out. No, you know what? We are a month into the season. They have played, what is it, six games already at this point. No, we should be seeing that top ten team instead. Maybe I, I, I've got them nine, and admittedly, I'm kind of thinking I maybe should have had 19. It, it, that's a great point, Matt. And now I'm – Pat, can I revote? I might <laughs> might want to go back and redo that. That's a great example of one. Uh, I know Ryan Scott said uh, we won't get Ryan on the show probably until January, but uh, Ryan had posted something on, on social media essentially saying the fact that, you know, he's starting from scratch. He's looking at only this year's results. And I tip my hat to him. I have – I don't know about you guys, but I have tried two dozen different ways – to vote and i haven't found a, a strategy that works i did the, the whole i'm thing. only voting on this week stuff last year and i felt it was a bigger mess than anything but the other tough thing dave is like the the fact that if you look at the top of the poll this week what you'll see and this is no surprise is that the teams that returned most of their nucleus from last year are the ones generally that are playing the best so if you look at the top of that poll what you will see John Carroll, Calvin Guilford, Oswego, Keene, Whitewater, Hampton, Sydney. Um, we stop at Case because that's a whole new group. But that team at the very top, you know, they 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 return most of their group and and they kind of hit the ground running. And then the rest of the country, or at least a lot of the rest of the country, have teams that are like new rotations, maybe a key guy here or there that's new, like Mount Union. You know, think about Mount Union as they did lose a great player. So um, and they're, they're they're fitting in a new player. Uh, those teams, the tricky thing is, they can be Final Four caliber, Sweet Sixteen caliber teams and not play like it, night in and night out. And that's the hard part about voting is, you, Illinois Wesleyan beats WashU by twenty six at WashU. 
And then, and then they play bad at the end of the game at Elmhurst, and you're like, okay, which is the team? So there's a little of that that as voters we have to kind of dissect, and I think that gets really tricky. Tricky is one way of saying it. Downright confusing is <laughs> another way to look at it. I don't have one that surprised me because I think there's a bunch of teams that have that have kind of surprised me, both good and bad. You guys have nailed a couple of them. You know, there's there's some who are undefeated. Um, but I've seen them undefeated at this point, and I'm kind of waiting to see if it's going to be legit. That's So more of the surprise will be, are you still undefeated when we're talking about you in, in mid-January? Maybe that's a little bit of a ridiculous bar to set. But my point is, I've seen Trinity, Connecticut undefeated just last year at this point in the season. We've seen Trinity, Texas undefeated. Okay, but can you continue it? And that's kind of where my surprises, I think, will jump out. Um but, yeah, no, great point about Mary Harden Baylor. All right, so team that no one's talking about that's got you intrigued. I know that's a bit of a stretch because at this point we're all talking about everybody. But is there anybody out there that's got you a bit intrigued that just isn't really on the radar? Matt, I'll start with you. Yeah, a team that I've been noticing, I didn't quite pull the trigger on them this week. I had them just like two or three spots off my ballot is Dubuque out of the American Rivers Conference. Um, I think I saw they got eight poll points. So there's a, a couple of people maybe out there that are voting for them. I think that's great. Dubuque's off to a 7-0 and start. I don't think they maybe have a top-notch, top-tier win yet, but they have a couple of really good ones, a couple double-digit wins, one over Benedictine, one over Nebraska Wesleyan that I think look solid at this point in the year. Um, I like to see them continue on later this month. They play Whitworth. That'll be a good game for them. And then the American Rivers is just a strong conference. So they're going to get a chance to prove themselves. Um, they have a six, six guard, Jalen McCants, who's putting up tremendous numbers, like over 20 points, nine rebounds a game looks terrific. Um, I'm, I'm really close to, to voting in Dubuque. Like I said, there's, there's a bunch of teams right in that mix for me. So I haven't pulled the trigger on them myself, but I think we should give uh, Dubuque a little bit more attention right now. I thought about him too. I, yeah. I, I struggled, Matt, with just the what you said, which is, I think Massey has their SOS at like two twenty right now, yeah. and and I just couldn't find like, I couldn't find anything to hang my head on. But then again, there's there's several undefeated teams that I just took a leap of faith on this time and said, okay, they look great, and so I do think Dubuque's really good. I think the ARC is very deep and very good, and so I'm looking forward to seeing a couple more games. But I agree, they're they're really close. Yeah, no, they 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 sat on that trigger. I even looked at Co. Yeah, just to see what what was I looking at. Try to gauge Dubuque by looking at Co. Nothing blew me away there. That's a couple of those teams. I'm like, I want to wait. I want to see what's coming down the road a little bit more to see if this is really real or if it's a flash in the pan. Bob, who was who's a team that kind of standing out to you that may not be standing out to others? This one is just because they didn't make it into the poll, and I felt that they that they should have. This is the third team receiving votes, so it's not like a sleeper under the radar. But Widener, so yeah. Widener's sitting here at seven and one, yeah, and they have wins against Roanoke at Worcester and at DeSales, and um, their losses is at Hampton Sydney by nine in a game that you know with six minutes left, it was it was five ish, so it was a competitive game at Hampton Sydney. To me, um, if you look at what Widener returned, you know, coming in, I thought, boy, that's a team to look at. I didn't pull the trigger on them. I don't think in my preseason ballot. I can't quite remember. But I think that their resume is better than several of the teams that that ended up getting in this week or maybe some of the teams that are that have already been in there. So that's my kind of under-the-radar-ish team that, to, to me, people should watch. And they're really, really good and impressive. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. look great this year. 
Yeah, Widener's been on that. Huh, what am I looking at? The only thing I thought of was, okay, Worcester's not as good as I thought maybe, or yeah. maybe Roanoke, nothing against Clay, is not, is not as good as I thought. And that's where I'm stuck. Is it, okay, is Widener better, and I'm dismissing them because I'm dismissing those teams, or are they not as good because those teams aren't as great? And, and I'm stuck there. And that actually gets me to two of my teams. Of course, came out of Odak land. I hinted at them already earlier. The two teams that are kind of jumping out at me right now are Farum and Shenandoah. Right. Tough to gauge them based on who they've played. For Shenandoah, Regent, who is coming into Division Three and beat them handily and obviously kind of an upstart. Wilson, Washington College, who's not having a great start to the season. Lancaster Bible, who I've been told is sneaky good. They beat them by 13. Gallaudet. Bridgewater, and then Roanoke. Roanoke's kind of the game for me with Shenandoah. I went, all right, maybe they're figuring this thing out. Um, They've got Messiah ahead of them. I've seen Messiah. Unfortunately, that is not going to be a good barometer. Messiah is not having a great season. they got Southern Virginia, then Arcadia, but they've got Guilford lurking, and that's kind of where I'm waiting to see. All right, how good are you really? And they got Virginia Wesley at the start of January. So that's Shenandoah I'm kind of keeping an eye on. Farum. Uh, Mid- Mid-Atlantic Christian, Southern Virginia, Virginia, Lynchburg, Regent are their opening four. So it's like, eh, what am I looking at here? But then they beat Averett by 22. They beat Roanoke in overtime on the road. And they beat an eh Eastern Mennonite team. And then when I'm talking to people like Clay Nunley, he's like, oh, no, well, watch what Farum's doing. They're, they're doing pretty well. So it's not a team I'm ready to vote for. But it's definitely a team I'm sitting there going, huh. Something's here that I wasn't expecting this season. By the way, and we'll talk about it on a future show, that's making the ODAC even more insane this year than it the was ODAC already going to be. The ODAC is insane, Dave. Like, if you think about where the ODAC is, and, you know, the, the UAA for an eight-team league is as good as it gets. The, the, the ODAC has more teams. But when you think about the top of the ODAC, it's kind of crazy because you go yeah. Guilford, Hampton, Sydney, Oh, by the way, Randolph Macon's still really good. <laughs> right. Right. Virginia Wesleyan. Yep. And now you start getting to like who's the Washington Elite, Roanoke, the the Farum, Shenandoah. Like it 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 is a, it's a good deep, league. deep, deep league. And uh I, I think that if I'm an ODAC fan, I'm I'm getting into these these Twitter wars and saying, wait, before you hand the crown to the UAA this year, like <laughs> let me I, I think I could make a good case if I was an ODAC fan that that's the best league, but we'll see. No, you're right. I mean, listen, I saw you some Mennonite. They're okay. Um, there's there's a couple others that just aren't going to be barn burners. Averett, I think, is better than people realize. We'll see how that plays out. I could be wrong. But you're now talking, as you said, eight, nine teams. Can they Correct. all beat the top team? I don't know, but they're going to make those games hard. Yeah, the ODAC's scary. And then, to your point, the UAA is ridiculous this year. Um, I'm going to be fascinated with the CCIW this year, the NESCAC, for other reasons I'm interested. Anyway, we could dive off on a train on that. We'll probably get that on our pre-Christmas, like just where things stand. Um, So great choices. Uh, I I can't wait to see how this all plays out. Kind of builds me to either one or two directions here. Best game or who your number one is. I I feel like we'll go with the number one. We'll, We'll let people off the hook. Who is your number one this week, if no one's seen it posted already, and and why? Or what was your conversation about why you went with your number one? I'm sure you guys all toyed with several. Bob, we'll start with you. Yeah, for me, my number one is the alma mater of one of the people on this this uh, 
this meeting and it's it's you know it's not Goucher, you chose it's Goucher? Not Illinois I didn't see yeah. Goucher got a first place vote. <laughs> so it's oh the my third God. option and that's the Knights of Calvin so when I went to the Great Lakes Invitation to watch Calvin play I mean I told the guys sitting there at the table uh, throughout both games I said I think this is my number one I think this is my number one and I didn't quite pull the trigger last week but I pulled the trigger this week they are to me first of all seeing them in person makes a big impression on me because of the 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 size of Jalen Overway, which you do not get on the stream. This 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 kid is as impressive of of, of a low post guy physically as I've seen in a long time. He is all of six ten, I believe he weighs two forty, but it's a it's a good two forty, and his touch around the basket, his footwork, his hands, and oh by the way, if you leave him open from three. It's it's a great looking shot and it's pure most of the time, but it's the rest of the guys. It, it it's Ekekezi as a defender. It's all the athletes they have. And if you double overway, someone's making a three. They have guys that get to the basket. They defend. To me, Calvin is the most complete team in the country. That said, look, I mean, John Carroll maybe Hampton, Sydney, Guilford. Who like there's seven other teams that we could argue, but for me this week, Dave, and, and I feel pretty good that like all year long we're gonna say like that's a team that can win it is Calvin. I'll get to mine in a bit, but they were certainly one of my choices. I almost pulled the trigger. Matt, I, I know it feels weird to be talking about Calvin as a number one. I know you're not used to winning there at all <laughs> at your alma mater. Um, for those of you new to the show, we're being very sarcastic. Got a couple of banners in the rafters. Yeah, there. I was going to say, it's nice to actually, I'll <laughs> say this, Matt, before getting your vote. It's kind of nice, though, to see the program back in this conversation, isn't it? Yeah, it's been, you know, the last time that they were maybe, I just actually went and looked. 2005 was the last time that they were ranked number two in the country. That was after their last Final Four appearance. So it's been... Uh, 18 years of uh, the last national championship was 2000. So uh, it's nice to be right back at the top of the conversation. Still a long way to go in the season, right? So we're not we're not hanging any more banners anytime soon. But it, it's just, just hearing Dave or uh, Bob talk. It's been it, that's that's what I've witnessed, um, you know, in the gym on most nights. Uh, they've been a good program. It does change my perspective a little bit seeing like, hey, this is maybe, you know, one of the top five ish teams in the country. Um, you know, that's, that's a different perspective to have and it. And it's just great that, you know, for me just personally for a moment, just to be able to see that in my backyard and my alma mater and see that level of play has been fun. Yeah. As by default, does that mean Calvin's your number one? You know, I did not pull the trigger wow. on them this week. I, I have them pretty high. I think I had them four, if I can remember. Um, I had them three this week, but I was a Guilford voter. Um, so I'll just, I'll just go into mine up from number seven. I moved them up to number one. Um, I don't think there's like a really clear top team in in division three so maybe guilford's out in a week or two um but just looking through the resumes to me guilford had maybe two of the best wins that stood out to me right now they've beaten hampton sydney and they've beaten emory and i think it's just hard for another even undefeated team to match two wins of that quality in my mind um those were both at home for guilford so they're gonna you know get, get challenged on the road at some point but you know, I just looking at that resume, that's kind of where I landed with my number one. Um, again, like I said, I don't think that there's maybe two uh, two wins as good as that standing on someone's resume right now. So I was comfortable with Guilford in the number one spot. I, I can't blame you. I certainly strongly considered it after they beat who I think was a darn good Hamden-Sydney squad. Um, 
granted, as you point out, at their place, which is one of those places that is just hard to play when you're the visiting team, I am going to be fascinated to see what they look like on the road. But listen, and this isn't a knock at, at Dave Palumbo whatsoever, but that program is better when he doesn't have to worry about being the athletics director. And I'm not trying to be negative with him. He is just that good that when he can dedicate more time, they get better. And, and it's great to see. Um, quick note, Calvin's got five first place votes sitting in two. They moved up from five. I am, I got him a little lower, but considering how I'm maybe misreading Mount Union, don't read too much into that at all. Uh, Guilford's in third with six first place votes. They moved up from 11. John Carroll's number one with 13 first place votes. Oswego's in first are in fourth with the one first place vote. I'm that vote. Um, and this comes from, I'm going to say something that maybe everybody thinks, well, you're thinking about last year. When I did my preseason ballot, I've thought highly of Oswego last year. I continue to think highly of Oswego this year. I put them in my top three. They've done nothing to persuade me from thinking that way. They have played well in everything they've they've got so far, at least from my read. Can't wait to see them in Vegas against Case Western Reserve, by the way. Um, so when I got to it, I thought, okay, do I leap anybody? I had Whitewater too, by the way, before moving them to number one last week. So do 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 I have anybody behind them that suddenly I think I should replace and leapfrog Oswego, or is Oswego doing what I expected them to do? It came down to Oswego's doing what I expected them to do. They haven't stubbed their toe. They've been going at it. They've been getting their wins. They haven't really looked bad doing it. Am I over analyzing them? Or am I pushing them a little bit higher than everybody else? And, and I've got you know a different look at them because I had them in my top three at the preseason? Maybe. But I couldn't justify anybody behind them to say necessarily, oh, you're the new number one because Oswego's just not blowing me away. No, they're doing exactly what I thought. I had a feeling I'd be the only voter. I was hoping there'd be a couple others that would join me. But that's where my first place vote is. Um, they're, they're really good, Dave. Like they're, they, they are outstanding. This is the same Oswego nucleus that, that won at Randolph Macon right. last year in the Sweet 16. And, and it, probably should have beaten Whitewater. I, and, and it easily could have, could have finished that game off against Whitewater. And so like, they're, they're, yeah, they're, that's one of the teams that if anyone voted for Oswego this week, you're like, of course, of course you did. That's a, that's a great, but here's the cool thing is you know, you're looking at their schedule and you're kind of looking for like, yeah, who, you know, and you're like, boom. Oh, wait, in Las Vegas at the D3Hoops.com Classic, we get one of the best games of the year, which, I mean, this is unbelievable. Oswego plays Case Western Reserve on the 28th. And what's interesting, they're going to have a 25 or six-day layoff. Yep. <laughs> and, and then, oh, by the way, you're like, I wish we could see a second good game. And then they play Pomona Pitzer. Right yeah. in Las Vegas. Yep. So that that Las Vegas tournament, the D3Hoops.com Classic, those are the two games we're waiting for for us. We go Case and Pomona. Like those are going to be must see type D3 viewing night right there. You guys are coming, right? I, I wish I was. I mean, <laughs> I, I I need to be. I, maybe I can work on this. Send me a ticket and I will be there. Uh, I can't do that part, but you're welcome to come anytime, <laughs> Bob. You're welcome as well. Listen, when 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 the two coaches called me and said, and I and I'm not making this up, each of them called individually and said, "Hey, we want to come to Vegas." I've been pushing that for for years on them. I went, hold on, both Case and Oswego are coming? And I remember saying to one of them, and I don't remember which, I said, you know that means I'm going to have you play so-and-so. They went, yeah, well, that's what I, I, I insist that. I'm like, yes. 
Yes. Um, I think the Pomona game for Oswego is sneaky better than I expected when we put it on paper. Case is going to get a good choice. By the way, there's one team that's going to be coming to that that maybe we didn't do the best service to, but we kind of got stuck trying to make some better decisions, and it's a long story behind the scenes you don't need to know about. Rhodes might be at the point of taking the next step in their program. I'm looking forward to seeing them out there. Um, But back to the top 25, uh, just a quick note. I've got Guilford 2, John Carroll 3, Case 4. So, you know, they're... All the teams we're talking about, I've got them right there in that conversation. Calvin's the only one that I've got a little bit as an outlier, but they're still in my top 10. Maybe I'm underselling them, and I appreciate Bob's perspective on that. I, and that's why I love having people like you guys on, because I can see one thing, but if I can hear Bob say, yeah, but here's the perspective on what you're seeing, I get a better understanding uh, and can and do better with it. All right, awesome, guys. Before I let you go, though, best game you've seen so far. I know eventually it'll be eliminated by that you see in Vegas. That's okay. We're, we'll get to Vegas when we get to Vegas. But I'm curious, what's the best game you've seen or a couple of games you've seen this year, whether it be in person, on video, et cetera? Matt, give me yours. Yeah, on video, I would have loved to be there. It was in Southern California. But uh, when NYU went to play at Redlands, I think that was a highly billed game. I think it lived sure. up to the hype. Redlands looked unbeatable coming out of the Great Lakes Invitational. Might have done better um, than the hype. And- and yeah, and, and we thought, hey, maybe NYU was a team that could match up with them. And they did. That game was back and forth um, with just, I, I don't know, under 10 minutes to play. It looked like Redlands was just going to kind of take over. NYU didn't back down. They clawed back. They got the win. Uh, so NYU getting that game. It was a great game. Two great teams, two teams we could be seeing in the tournament. Uh, great to see those like New York versus Southern California matchups in November, Thanksgiving weekend. That was fantastic. So for me, that's definitely one that sticks out was NYU winning at Redlands. Nice to see NYU out of the uh, New York region, to be honest, yeah, New York Metroplex. Sure. Um, Redlands has stubbed their toes since then, but that might show you how tough the sky heck is going to be yeah. uh, this year. Bob? I'm going to go with a, a game that I saw in person, and and this is a testament to how good the field is this year, the top 25 candidate field, because the fact these two teams aren't currently in the poll, that they both fell out, but Illinois Wesleyan and Marietta, you're talking about big, physical, skilled teams. They played there at Wittenberg in a game that Illinois Wesleyan led by 8 or 10, and then Marietta came back and led by 8 or 10, and then it was tied, and it came down to the final minute or so, and uh, Marietta making some free throws, Illinois Wesleyan having a chance to tie it or go ahead. Um, it was a great game between two great programs, but but great teams this year, like teams that think about this is Marietta beat Christopher Newport. I mean, they beat Christopher Newport, and Illinois Wesleyan won it by 26 at Wash U. So, to me, that was the best game I've seen this year, um, and it was an easy one to pick because I was there in person. So that's just an idea of, like, if those two teams aren't in the top 25 right now, <laughs> then, then then we better strap it down because we have a really good season underway right now. Yeah. I agree with you. The teams I don't have in, you know, three, four years ago would have been an easy pick. Uh, we talk about parity till we're blue in the face, and we talk a lot about it, but it's it's why it's gotten so good. And the one thing I saw in soccer and I've seen elsewhere is it's that way in a lot of sports now at Division Three. The the division has evolved, and, and we get some great teams as a result. Uh, guys, really appreciate it. Uh, great to get your insight on things. Um, 
Always love hearing your perspectives. And even if I don't always agree, I don't think everybody agrees with me either. I think that's what makes this so much fun. Um, uh, quick, uh, by the way, notes. Uh, thanks for keeping the flame going over the summer because I certainly wasn't able to do any shows as a result. Matt, your um, tie-in to baseball with the card reveals yeah. was both insanity just for the record, just absolute. I know what goes on behind the scenes to make something like that happen. So you're insane. Okay. You have too much time in your hands, but also absolutely epic. Pretty brilliant. I got yeah. that was pretty awesome. The card reveal. Was a great, absolutely I, agree I, think with I'm a, I was a random Twitter person, which is awesome. I love it. <laughs> yeah, right. It was you're fun to do Twitter. <laughs> I don't know if that's a compliment like or not, cards, Bob. <laughs> and 500 ended up being way too much, but it was fun. And it was fun, you know, just to, to have silliness with the division three during the off season. That was what it was all about. Yeah. Um, but yes, we were insane to do it and I don't know that it will be happening. again. You're going to do it again next year. Uh, no, that was really fun. Uh, and thanks for that. Hey, you can do special packs maybe every summer now maybe, moving forward. Maybe, yeah. You can do specialty packs. Uh, Bob, great interviews as always on the, on the QCast. Sorry. I couldn't join you for the panoxications in October, but I will be, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I, uh, when you do that, I am still in absolute MLB mode. I am neck deep with soccer, football, volleyball, whatever. And you call me like, hey, so would you like to talk about the preseason top 25? I'm like, the what? <laughs> I haven't even gotten out of them. I haven't looked at a basketball yet. You guys. It's like early October, right? Early yeah. October. Yeah. yeah Give me a Dave couple of weeks. Me. He called me. He's like, uh I'm not ready for this. I'm like, Dave, I didn't, I didn't think you'd be, but I wasn't going to do it without inviting you. So I'm not ready for this. <laughs> I think it's I was okay. Probably, Dave, we, we got you. The rest I think of I had a couple of soccer games that on this. I think I had a couple of soccer games that night sandwiched around a couple of baseball postseason games. I was so not in basketball mode. And I listen, I would love to have joined you guys. I would have done the homework to do it. I just couldn't, I didn't have the time, but hats off to you guys. Great work out there. I uh, appreciate you keeping the D3 flame alive. Hey, 50 years, before I let you guys go, 50 years of Division Three. it's pretty It's pretty special. I know there's a lot of talk with the NCAA, but I, I'm sure from – I speak for all of you guys that we love this division for a reason, and 50 years of solidity with it speaks volumes, doesn't it? It, it does. Uh, it's pretty amazing how many of those those years that I've been following Division Three. Yeah, I, we don't – I, I, I <laughs> don't want to do that hate- math. I hate to do the math, but I was a freshman at IW in 89-90, and so Ooh. you guys can do your own math, but I've been around a lot of the years of Division Three, so it it is what it is, guys. It is what it is. I was a freshman born in 94. I get it. I, Matt was a freshman in, in 2014, so it was a little What year different. were you born, Matt Snyder? What, what year Nin- were you born? 1986. Oh, that hits hard. That, that, hits, that hits hard. So <laughs> that hits I was hard. a freshman. I was watching the Titans at Fred Young Fieldhouse, and like Matt Snyder could have been a three-year-old in the bleachers. That yeah, that hurts. That hey, hurts I bad. do that every time I look at student athletes, and I'm I'm broadcasting, and I start figuring out. Wait, they were born this century. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Moving on, guys. Great stuff, Azway. I I should give you the final word, so I will. Bob, final thoughts before we let you go. Great to be back on Hoopsville. Thanks for doing this, Dave. We appreciate it. you're the OG. Uh, the rest of us uh, are, are random podcasters, so appreciate it. Thanks for having having me on. Thank you. You're too kind, sir. Too kind, Matt. Your final thoughts? 
yeah, just happy 21 years. It's great to have Hoopsville all these years to keep us company. Uh, you mentioned 50 years for Division Three to steal a line from Jason Zimmerman from the QCast. You know, we love Division Three because good basketball is good basketball, and we have good basketball here in Division Three. Well said. Great point. Yeah, that one needs to go on a shirt or something. <laughs> Guys, well done. Thank you very much. Look forward to talking to you down the road. Thanks. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Bob and Matt Snyder join us here. Join us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate their time to do so. Great chatting with them. Um, <laughs> Chip joining us on the YouTube chat. First, he says, uh, he said earlier, he said, do we get timely injury updates uh, affect some teams early on, including CNU? I wouldn't call them timely. Um, timely updates on injuries is an oxymoron. Um we find out about injuries or you hear about injuries and then they don't turn out to be as significant. I remember ta- talking to a coach earlier this season where they said, I, I said, I heard X, Y, and Z or whatever. He's like, oh, no, X is back. Everything's fine. I'm like, oh, Lord, that's not accurate information. So sometimes hard without calling every single coach out there and figuring out what the injury status is. Yeah, Chip, uh, Chip goes on 6'10", 240 and shoot outside in D3. Sheesh. Here's what I'm going to tell you, sir. I am seeing more and more of that in Division Three. It is hard for me to grasp, but centers, per se, who go out and shoot. And I remember seeing it in the 90s. Uh, I'm going to bring up a goucher name to have everybody roll your eyes, but Predrick Jerkovic was a 6'7", 6'8", center who was stepping back and nailing three. He's, of course, a Croatian, so that kind of is where he came from. But that has become very common in the division. I think it's more interesting if they don't go inside and bang it up inside. I, the a number of guys I see who step outside and shoot who aren't post players is where I think the, the next thing is. If you can do both, and it sounds like this guy certainly can, that's where this, the that's where the difference becomes huge for some teams. By the way, he also mentions he's refereeing D3 in 1987. No comment, sir. No comment at all. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk to Tufts men's basketball about the status of things with the Jumbos. Brandon Linton joins us to talk things all Tufts. Look forward to hearing from him on what goes, what's been going on with the program and how they're off to a tremendous start so far this season. You're listening to Hoops Hopers on my D3Hoops.com. Back with more after this. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure. The game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA.
Responsibility is being accountable for your words and actions, first and foremost. It also is an obligation to be a positive influence in the communities around you. Being in a D3 program, you're going to have lots of different opportunities. You're not just an athlete. You're also involved in student life. Your academics are extremely important. We give a lot of our student athletes responsibilities right from the start by giving them leadership opportunities, by having them engage in the community, being a positive influence. That's being a responsible person. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at NABC1927. That's nabc.com or NABC1927 on social media. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we continue along, just a reminder coming up, we'll be hearing from Brandon Linton shortly from the Tufts Jumbos men's basketball team. Also coming up, Wisconsin Whitewater's Kerry Carollo joins us, which reminds me the women's top 25 is out. Uh, came out in about the last 15 minutes. NYU remains number one, as does Transylvania at two, Christopher Norport three, Rhode Island four. Whitewater's up to five. Scranton is up to six, and Wartburg remains at seven. Um... Scranton actually fell down from 5th to 6th, is what I should have said. Whitewater goes from 6th to 5th, so basically they swap spots. Uh, Gustavus is up a few spots. Milliken's up 7. They're now in the top 10 at number 9. Smith's back in the top 10. Uh, The only thing of of real note is Emory has jumped up 5 spots to 14. Harden-Simmons fell down to 15th. Tufts fell from 8th to 16th. We're talking the women, just for the record. Um, Catholics into the poll at 21, and... uh, uh, Illinois Wesleyan's into the poll at 24. Loris and Mass Dartmouth out. Loris fell out of the 15th spot. M- less teams receiving votes on the women's side than the men. That's not too surprising. We mentioned Tufts. Well, Tufts men have jumped, leaped today from 23rd to 12th in the top 25, thanks in part to just an outstanding start to the season. You're looking at a program that's 8-0 this season after a 20-8 campaign last year 
They started last year the first five winning, but then lost two of their next three. Granted, one of them was Harvard. Yeah, it is what it is. You try and win the academic game. You can't always win it. Uh, but they are off to a no start. Got a win over Mass Dartmouth. They got a win over Clark, and they've got a win over WPI. And big games against St. Joseph and Keene State still ahead of us before they go to California for a couple of good games. And then, of course, there's always the conference. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline to discuss all of this is the head coach of the Jumbos men's program. It's Brandon Litton. And, Coach, you, you've got to be pretty darn happy with the way you all have started. Uh, thanks for taking the time to join us and tell us a little bit about how you think the opening month has begun. Yeah, first and foremost, thanks for having me, Dave. Uh, love what you do for D3 Hoops, you know, shining the spotlight on but honestly, the whole uh, entire programs uh, across the country. So appreciate you. Uh, but yeah, hard not to be happy with the start, um, you know, especially graduating so many key guys that we did um, from last year's group, you know, one of which is currently, you know, playing meaningful minutes uh, for UC Irvine. So, um, you know, to come in and, you know, play what I thought would uh, be a pretty challenging, you know, first eight and, you know, 10 games uh, after we get through these uh, two games this week, um, you know, and to be eight and zero is is definitely something to be proud of. Um, testament to our guys, our leadership. Um, you know, it's been it's been great. So uh, definitely, definitely happy of the start. Do, do you guys put a measuring stick at the start of a season on a on a whiteboard or a blackboard or whatever you might have? Do you do you put hey listen, here's our opening ten games. It, I expect us to be eight and two or. Here's the opening six. I expect this to be, you know, five and one. Is that realistic or is the goals differently? I'm trying to understand how is the eight and no gauged from your perspective? Yeah, it's funny. It's nothing that honestly we talk about, um, you know, as a team where we say, you know, we map out the games and, you know, try and, you know, um, shoot for a record. Um, you know, I'd be lying if I didn't say, you know, internally as a coaching staff, we don't look at things and say, all right, if we could do this and, you know, navigate this and, you know, we got three games in one week, um, that'll happen. But as a team, uh, collectively, that's never, you know, what we try and talk about. Um, you know, honestly, we just kind of try and speak to uh, like our core values. And, you know, we, we talk about goals from like a big perspective, you know, obviously we have lofty ones, uh, but our day-to-day goals just, you know, um, reverberate back to living out our, our values every day um, because it gets hard if you, you know, you, you try and, you know, stick to those long shot goals and those things that are, you know, big, like eight and zero or undefeated in the first semester or anything like that. Like that's just too hard, honestly, for uh, myself, let alone our players to try and uh, do. So, you know, it's easier for us to just stick true to um, who we try to be uh, on a day to day as a program. You took this program over basically on the other side of the pandemic, um, per se, taking over after the retirement of the previous head coach, a program that had been up and down. You know, they either 500 or they were all in at 20 plus wins. It's, there's never been kind of a middle ground, as it were. Uh, there was a 117 and 8 campaign that, that stands out, but you're coming in fresh off of a program that is, I don't want to say in disarray, but everyone was in disarray a little bit after losing a season and of course two championships you're trying to rebuild something based on nothing that anybody else is at fault for it there's lots of questions on who can play and where can they can play and how many years they got left and all that 13 and 10 last year's camp or the first campaign not bad in the grand scheme of things eight and two though in NESCAC play 28 20 and eight last season and already eight and no 
Is that a sign that what you guys have wanted to do, the players you want and how you want to accomplish things is going the way you want it to? Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, it's funny too. And, you know, coach Sheldon, uh, taking over him, you know, big shoes to fill. He was, uh, you know, obviously a great coach, but, you know, an even, you know, bigger person personality here at Tufts. And, um, you know, it's been great, you know, being here now three years talking to alums and, you know, just a history in this program. Um, you know, yeah, it's never, you know, been one that's, you know, won the national championship or, um, obviously they got their first NESCAC championship. Um, you know, the last year Coach Sheldon was here. So um, in a way, it was kind of the opposite coming in. You know, it was, it was taking over for a program that just finished on top and uh, a great group that, you know, honestly had their season cut short by COVID. Um, so it was even, you know, it was even more tricky coming in year one. Um, not tricky. It was just, you know, a challenge to, you know, keep that current group uh, ascending. Um, and, you know, they really felt and uh, there's legitimacy to, to, to think it, um, but they thought they could have competed for a national championship that year. Um, and, uh, you know, coming in after a year off with COVID and, uh, you know, we started off on four, you know, I think we were like two and seven um, after the first semester and, um, you know, really didn't get off to the start. You would think it should have gotten off to, um, but I think in a, um, in a weird way, it was probably the best thing that ever happened for, you know, the program, um, you know, last year and this year, you know, there was a lot of, you know, just kind of soul searching that took place, a lot of, um, you know, looking around and, you know, really trying to figure out, all right, are we going to stay true to what we're talking about as a staff and as a program? And uh, to those guys' credit, year one, they did. And uh, it led to a great second semester where we were able to finish, you know, 11 and two and uh, second in the NESCAC and um, give ourselves a chance. And then it, it led into last year, that momentum, um, you know, being able to, you know, go 20 and eight. And that's continued to carry on into the offseason leading into this year. And, you know, just uh, I, I do feel like we're um, continuing to ascend to, you know, where I want the program to hopefully be uh, consistently uh, here on out. To take a step even further back, we should point out you came from Nichols where you got one season before the pandemic shut down the second season. Um, prior to that, you'd been an assistant coach at Army West Point for five seasons. Before that, Bowden. And before that, Clarkson. What drew you to the Tufts job? And if memory serves, I think your name was popping up in a few different locations. I think you were somewhat highly sought after. But what what? A, drew you to leave Nichols, and I'm going to probably guess that when you have a job like Tufts or Bowden or, or anybody else that was open in the New England, that's an easy answer. But what, what, what was that process like, and, and why, why Tufts? Yeah, so, you know, I'm D3, you know, through and through. I played uh, at Clarkson. Um, you know, I, I've just always thought of myself as a D3 guy. Um, and, you know, going and getting my first full-time uh, coaching opportunity – at Bowden under Tim Gilbride, who honestly is one of the greatest coaches that, uh, you know, honestly, probably we don't talk about enough. You know, he's just overshadowed by the likes of Hickson and, you know, so many great NESCAT coaches. But, um, you know, my two years spent at Bowden was like, you know, going to grad school, honestly. Um, but, you know, it opened my eyes to, um, you know, what I feel is, you know, the cream of crop of Division Three, which is, you know, NESCAC basketball. Um, and when I left Bowden to go to Army, I always thought if there was an opportunity to, to come back, um, obviously to the division three level, but, you know, uh, I almost thought of the NESCAC as like a long shot dream, you know, pipe, pipe dream type of opportunity. Um, and I'd be fortunate enough to ever be, um, in position for one. So, you know, I kind of never really thought it would be, um, you know, something for me, but, um, when the opportunity presented itself, uh, it was just a no brainer. 
if given the the chance, um, you know, to take one of these opportunities. And Tufts specifically, you know, I think it's uh, it's one of the you know rare unicorn places. You know, it's a high academic school. Um, you know, great athletics. You know, if you look across the board at Tufts, um, our men's across program, women's across baseball, swimming and diving. We had the you know men's. Uh, national champion uh, in tennis, you know, our men's team finished national runners up, you know, just across the board, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, we're eight and out here, but we're still kind of the, the little dogs on campus when, when you look uh, across Tufts athletics. Um, so when you combine the, the academics, you know, the athletics, the location, you know, just being, you know, 10 to 15 minutes outside of the city of Boston, um, you know, it's, there's not too many places honestly like that in the country, let alone Division Three. So, um, you know, there was just there was no second guessing. Um, you know, Tufts is just the perfect place. Uh, in women's soccer final four this year, men's soccer 2021 champs and have been synonymous with that. No, I'm just adding to your misery is what I was trying to do there. Uh, add to the add to the ones you're trying to compete against for just some attention. Uh, I think a lot of people even consider Tufts to be a UAA like institution, just not in the UAA. Um, so a great example uh, there for sure. Uh You've got it working. You're 8-0 this season. What's the conversation like in the locker room at this point? I know you're not looking beyond game to game. We're, we're smart enough. We've been doing this show long enough. We know it's all game by game. But overall, what's the conversation in the locker room about the games you're playing now, games you're about to play before you get to conference, and what they do mean and their impact, say, when we get to February and March? Yeah, fortunate that we got, you know, just an awesome leadership group. And we've had that, you know, since I've taken over at Tufts. But, you know, our captains, you know, Jay Deturley and Casey McLaren um, and Jackson Patton is another person, part of our leadership group and our team. You know, those guys have just set the the tone, you know, honestly, since last spring, um, you know, after we lost to Keene State. Um, you know, we had a great spring in the weight room, great summer. You know, guys came back in the fall and, you know, really were committed and, you uh, you know, those guys, it's funny, you know, we have a brand new starting five. Um, you know, we have a lot of underclassmen who are, you know, playing minutes, um, a couple of new guys who are, you know, in the rotation. So, you know, it's it's really cool to be, you know, eight, you know, and, and, and all that, obviously. But in a lot of ways, you know, we're still learning uh, about ourselves. You know, it's a, a pretty hungry group because, you know, collectively, they've never, you know, done anything. Um, so I think naturally, um, you know, they understand that, yeah, it's pretty cool, but at the same time, we haven't really done anything. Um, and, you know, that's not just coach speak. It's, the, you know, it's the truth. Um, St. Joe's is a team that, honestly, we've we've lost to the last uh, two years and a team everybody in the region's been chasing, you know, Keene State. You know, I don't know if we'll play a better team all year than Keene State. So um, so we understand, too, we got a lot of – we've played some really good teams, but we also got some high-level competition coming up. So we're just excited to keep learning about ourselves um, you know, win or lose, um, it's just not another opportunity to get ready for the gauntlet of uh, NESCAC play. Yeah, was, we'll talk uh, about the team in a minute, but I do want to get your take on the NESCAC because I think a lot of us out there right now think NESCAC still one of the top conferences in the nation, but it almost feels like maybe it's taken a little bit of a step back internally, like in itself. You got We got so used to so many good teams at the top it feels like maybe the really good teams have just kind of come back a little bit. The middle's gotten really good, so you've got a very tough conference. It is not going to be easy out there. But I'm curious from your internal take, what do you? How do you see this this conference evolving? Is it is it Williams to beat Middlebury's off to an odd two and five, but they feel like they're 
a better team than that. Wesleyan seems to be in the mix. You know, we can go down this road of, of Bates and Bowden and Hamilton of all these good teams, but how do you see it evolving from your perspective? Yeah, I think that's the perfect word for it. You know, I think it's going to evolve, you know, um, you know, it's never going to be static as one thing, right? I think the league itself has kind of went through a transition. You know, we had a lot of um, fifth years that have, you know, left a lot of programs, us included. Um, you know, I think if you look across the league, you got a lot of new people um, joining rosters and playing. You got some teams that are trying to figure out collectively what their new identity is going to be. So, you know, I really think by the time we get to January and February, um, it's going to get, you know, tougher and tougher teams that right now might be, you know, losing games or struggling a little bit. Um, I think it's all part of the process of, you know, figuring out new identities across the league. Um, obviously, Williams, um, you know, they bring back a bunch and they've been banged up. You know, Coach App's a great friend of mine and, you know, he always does a good job with his group. So, you know, I think everyone's going to be chasing those guys. Um, Trinity's off to a great start. Um, you know, I know Pete uh, is young and they've got some freshmen that are, you know, playing at a high level and across the board. You know, I think there's been a mix of uh, some unfortunate injuries to, to key guys um, and a little bit of just natural, you know, teams just trying to figure out who they are post, you know, graduating some key players. So, um, so I think by the time we get to uh, league play, it's going to be tough. Obviously, playing Friday, Saturday games always makes it, you know, even harder. Um, you know, you could almost throw out, you know, um, favored teams out the window. Uh, that Saturday game, a lot of times, is kind of a toss up. So um, it'll be fun as usual. I think by the time we get to tournament play, you know, if the NESCAC is fortunate enough to send a couple teams this year, um, I think that'll, uh, you know, show itself when you get to uh, NCAA tournament play because. We'll kind of be used to that uh, that format. So um, I think it's evolving. You know, it'll be better as the year goes. I, I like that evolving and transitioning, not necessarily step back. That's the only way I could say it, but evolving and transitioning. I, I like that terminology a little bit better. Yeah, the back to backs are tough, but I think it helps you guys when it gets to March. Um, I, I still feel like you guys get out into this area where we're going to talk a lot about it when we get to January and February, where you're only playing a single round of conference games, you guys disadvantage because you're not part of, you know, a little three group that, that gets a second round of games. It's interesting. And I, I realize I'm putting you on the spot here, but every once in a while I get wind that maybe the idea of a double round Robin or some kind of, um, ODAC model where you play two against some and one against others is could evolve and come into play a, to help with scheduling because it's getting tougher and B to kind of help your resumes is, is that realistic? Should, is that something we could possibly see the NESCAC move into in the future? Yeah, I think it's hard to say, obviously, you know, uh, coach Strayhorn at Kobe's on, uh, the chair of the coaches and kind of the connection to the league. Um, you know, it's something that I think, uh, definitely could, um, you know, I could see people being in favor of, um, you mentioned scheduling, it's getting harder and harder to schedule non-conference games. I mean, we've got to get 14 games somehow, uh, you know, non-conference wise and a lot of other in-region conferences are getting bigger. So they don't have much flexibility in January and February where we have a lot of openings. Um, it's kind of led to us having a jam packed, you know, kind of uh, November, December here. So, um, so it's interesting. I, I would like to see us move to something like that where you could get a couple more, uh, league games, uh, on the calendar. Um, but you know, it's, you, you, you deal with whatever's, throwing your way and, you know, you try to make the best of it. Um, you know, I think it, it makes the league that much more fun. Uh, each game, it's almost like a football kind of deal where, you know, each game really just matters. Um, then when you see them for the second time in a playoff format, and, you know, it's almost funny. I feel like the the team that lost the first one has the the advantage going into that playoff game. So 
Um, it, it presents some unique uh, wrinkles, but you know, overall, I'd be in favor of either. So uh, whatever they do, we'll, we'll show up. Yeah, I'd be fascinated to see where it all transitions. Um, yeah, we could go down that rabbit hole, but we'll we'll, we'll avoid it for right now. Um, tell me about this team, because the one thing that jumps out at me is you have two seniors. That's it. You, know, you talk about losing fifth years and all that in the NESCAC, and that's certainly true across the board in a lot of sports, but <laughs> you're, you're only going to lose two seniors. And I'm not trying to diminish those two seniors. My point is you've got all of this talent getting all of this experience. If anything, this is a great precursor to next season. And while we're not looking that far ahead, that's scary. You guys have a somewhat young team that's playing this well. Yeah, no, it's definitely something cool. And I don't even like thinking that far ahead, you know, Jay and Casey, I mean, you talk about Jay to Turley, this is a guy that, you know, last year kind of, you know, ran into some, uh, you know, just tough, um, you know, minutes wise, you know, role wise, you know, he's playing behind a lot of seniors who were getting a lot of the minutes that, you know, he was trying for and, you know, to his credit, he kept working and he's, I mean, he's been one of the best leaders I think I've ever been around. Um, so it's funny, like we'll we'll miss, you know, um, that leadership. So hopefully we could develop that over the course of the year. You know, Casey McLaren, same deal. You know, this has been a guy that's kind of just had to wait his turn the whole time he's been here, um, you know, playing behind Dylan Thorner and some other talented, um, tough players. And, you know, he stepped in and, you know, just literally done anything that we've asked of him. He's guarded the other team's best players at 6'6", an athletic freak in a good way um, as he is. You know, that'll be hard to – to replace. I think he's a defensive player, the year caliber player. Um, so I don't like thinking about losing those guys, but at the same time, too, it is, you know, in the back of our heads that, uh, you know, we do have uh, a good group coming back. So, you know, a lot of this year is also making sure that we're building the right habits that, you know, when we do lose Casey and Jay, um, that, you know, guys can take over for, for their lead and we don't miss a beat. You're led by Jamesi. I think I said that right. Um, yep. I had it wrong. I tried to sneak in the pronunciation guide while you were talking. Um, love that. Hats off to the Tufts Athletics Communication staff. Love pronunciation uh, sound bites on the website. Um, led by him in terms of points and, and all of that at 15.5 points a game. Uh, he also uh, pulls down 11 rebounds a game to average a double-double. Shoots, uh, oh, by the way, 66% from the floor. I'm going to get to everybody else because there's four guys in double figures. But it is insane to me on a couple of things. He's averaging 15 and a half. He's got 11 rebounds per game. He shoots 66% from the floor, and he's only gone to the free throw line eight times, <laughs> meaning four trips. Let's just average it out. None of that adds up when I'm looking at stats. Tell me a little bit about Scott and, and what we're seeing in a guy like him. Dave, I think you should have more free throws. Uh, can I use this to send to the referee committee out there? You well, know, I don't know about that. And, and, you know, maybe he needs to get a little more aggressive. I don't know. I, I don't want to speak for the refs. <laughs> no, I'm, only, I'm only kidding. Um, Scott's awesome. He, you know, from the second he stepped on campus as a freshman last year, um, you know, he's just one of those rare guys that just, you know, you know, when you see it, um, just works his butt off. Like nothing else matters to him other than going out and, you know, playing basketball, being trying to be as good at, as possible. Um, just an awesome kid. Um, you know, there's no selfish bone in his body. Um, I'm proud too. He's, he's, you know, uh, dishing the rock uh, at, a, at a high clip too for a forward. 
um, and you know, he's finding his teammates and, and doing a good job there. He's just he just does a lot for us. Um, and uh, you know, he picks the spots. You know, nothing ever seems forced with him. Um, you know, we had a game against Clark where he didn't play as well, and um, he did a bunch of other things to affect the game. You know, with his rebounding, with his defense, uh, with his playmaking. Um, so he's, you know, obviously I, I could say nothing but good things about Scott um, because he's been terrific. Um, and his work ethic matches it, which makes it that much more, uh, you know, fun to see him kind of getting the uh, the benefits of that hard work. Yeah, it's certainly impressive. Uh, James Marakis is second on the team at 12.1 points a game. He shoots 51%, by the way. Joshua Bernstein, second on the team at 10.6 points a game. Um, he shoots 67%. Uh, Kai Champion, third on the team at 10 points a game. Uh, he's not that great a shooter. He only shoots at 40%. From the floor, what what is it about your guys? You average forty eight percent from the floor, but your your top weapons are all guys who shoot extremely well and have taken quite a few shots. What is it a, that is making that work? I think it boils down to the makeup of the team. I think guys are committed to you know trying to hunt great shots and um, you know play together. Uh, that's one thing that we try and pride ourselves on is uh, you know being a, a well balanced team that shares it. Um, and I think you know all that is uh, a byproduct of it. You know we really um, you know obviously we've got some talented players on the inside, um, and you know we we spend a lot of time focusing on trying to play inside out ball. Um, but we've got honestly some very talented perimeter players too that, you know, honestly, um, you know, if, if teams are doing a good job of taking away, um, you know, our inside game, I think, you know, we've got guys that are capable of, you know, creating stuff on their own or, you know, doing stuff within the floor, what we're trying to do. So um, it's kind of a, um, a balancing act that we play game to game. Uh, but those guys at the core of themselves, they all are uns- unselfish. They want to play together. Um, they want to share it. Uh, they want to try and find great shots and they've been committed to that. And uh, I've been proud to see it. It's interesting. If you take Kai and Jay, uh, Kai and Jay, if any of those stat geeks out there would love this, Kai shoots 40% from the floor, but he's 24% from beyond the arc. If you took out his outside shooting, he'd be a 54% shooter. Jay, on the other hand, is a 39% shooter, but he's a 42% shooter from beyond the arc. It's almost like you could combine the two of them. They'd be unstoppable. Because one of them's insane from outside, but not great inside. The other one's insane from inside, but okay from the outside. But I digress. Um, I'm personally a little bit uh, biased to Maracas. Um, went to a terrific high school. Really, I don't know why you're not recruiting all from his high school. Um, I am told it is the best prep school in all the land. Um, I don't know why nobody... Oh, I've done my homework. Of course I have. There's a banner around here somewhere. <laughs> Proud alum of Sarum. Yeah, um, I'll have to let him know. Yeah, well, my only question, and I'm looking through the roster, really inside geek for anybody out there who just doesn't care. I'm trying to figure out how he he gets her along with Kai uh, and Josh Bernstein and Thurman Gettings, or not Gettings as much, but Bernstein especially, Berkshire graduate, Phillips Exeter graduate, Um I don't know. Funny about those guys, James and Josh are roommates, and they're, uh, they're like a hot couple. You know, James is we all love him, but he's you know we kind of joke. He's like the silent uh, assassin. You know, he doesn't really give off much emotion or uh, or many uh, very many words. And Josh is kind of the opposite. You know, you could talk to a hole in the wall. Um, but those guys are great. You know, it's kind of, uh, 
you know, a NEPSAC showcase going on this weekend. Um, I don't know if Sunday they both showed up to watch Berkshire play and see some of the other prep schools. Uh, so they're both just basketball nerds. They love it. Um, they're good friends or roommates. And uh, they got a nice ESP on the court as well. To be fair, Berkshire is near Salisbury. And when I was there, I don't know if they continue us. It, thus, uh, those two and the all-girls school north or near Williams, I don't remember which one it is, Miss Porter's or Miss Hall's. I always get them backwards. Uh, we used to have a tri-concert. And on one weekend, each school had a day where all of us came and and had a concert. So I've been to Berkshire, gorgeous campus there uh, as well. But uh, I, I couldn't resist. I love it when I see the alma mater pop up on a Division three roster. Um, yeah. Got to keep Coach, the – keep a the, great job with the basketball program. Yeah, no, basketball program has come a long way, especially since my time there when it was good, but it's, it's on another level now. Hey, listen, again, a lot ahead of you. You got St. Joseph's ahead coming up here on um, – Wednesday, you then got Keene State on the weekend. You'll get a huge chunk off before you go out to California where you'll play Texas, Dallas, and now Cal Lutheran, who knocked off Redlands recently. Come home, one non-conference game, or really two and three. You'll play Colby Sawyer and Emmanuel Sandwich with Connecticut College. And then it's conference action. So a little bit of this holiday herky-jerky a bit. Big games before the break, then the break, trip to California for some some important games before back home. How do you handle all of it with the team? What's the message of guys? How do you chunk it out? What do you guys do? Yeah, obviously all focus right now is on finishing out uh, this last week, um, you know, as, as strong as we possibly can. Um, and, you know, it's pretty much the main focus. We'll have individual meetings before guys go home after finals and all that stuff. And, um, you know, kind of set the table for next semester. Um, you know, it's funny, I thought last year we had a, a pretty good first semester overall. And, um, you know, I think it took us a little bit to get back going after the long break. So that's going to be a, a big focus of ours is, you know, making sure that, um, you know, we don't lose any steam, um, you know, going from, you know, first semester to second semester. So um, that'll be a big part of it. And if we could handle that and, you know, give ourselves the best chance coming back out of break, um, you know, by staying in shape and staying committed to what we talked about at the start of the year, um, then, you know, we'll just continue on as, as normal with our business, you know, attacking it week to week, game to game, and, you know, trying to uh, put the best put, uh, foot forward. Awesome. Well, hey, Brandon, I really appreciate the int- uh, the insight. I know we've talked a ton of, a ton with you here, more than I planned, but it was great to chat with you and get your uh, breakdown of it all. For, great to have you on the show. Sorry it took so long uh, to find your email. Um, I'm sure it was around here somewhere, but we finally dug it up as we were cleaning the office. Uh, as always, give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuned in? No, thank you again, Dave. I, you know, I really appreciate it. I'm excited to you know, hopefully, um, you know, be on here again and, uh, you know, just excited for our team to keep getting learning opportunities and, uh, you know, finish this year out. I think this is going to be a great year of D3 basketball. It's a very deep, uh, deep year. So many good teams looking around the country. Uh, so I'm just excited to to be part of it. Uh, but thank you for all you do for, for, for us D3 Hoopers. Well, thank you, uh, Brandon. It's a lot easier when guys like yourself are able to come on and chat about your teams, and we appreciate the time. Good luck. Safe travels. Great holidays. We'll look forward to talking about the Jumbos down the road and uh, maybe getting you back on the show when it really ramps up in February and March. Awesome. Sounds like a plan. Thank you, Dave. Take care, Brandon. Joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, Brandon Linton from Tufts. Great to see the program doing so well there Uh, in the Boston area. uh, he, He spoke about it. You've got so many good programs, soccer and women's basketball and tennis 
you go across the board there, it's nothing but success, and it's great to see the men's program is continuing that success as well. We'll take a break. When we come back, Harry Carollo joins us to talk about Wisconsin Whitewater up to fifth in the top 25 poll that was out tonight. We talked to her earlier today. You'll hear that interview coming up. You'll listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Cal. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present honor the past, look to the future. I used to never really talk, ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Division three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in their interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it. The world. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we continue on this Monday evening, a reminder, Thursday we'll be back on the air on our Thursday show for the first time this season. Looking forward to getting that up and running. Um, for those of you who found our show some other way and are used to us being on Facebook, I got nothing for you. We have no idea why it didn't start tonight. Everything on our system is up and running properly. It's just sitting there spinning. We have made sure to copy in the right addresses and all of that. Everything's working. We're live simulcasting to YouTube.com, so don't understand it all that much. A uh, couple of notes. Top 25 is out, as we mentioned. Uh, got this note about Trinity, Texas. First time they're in the top 25 on the men's side since the final poll the 2008-2009 season. Um. He said the team also appeared once during the COVID season. I don't remember that. don't think we voted during that season, but maybe I'm wrong. But they're 29th, or 23rd, sorry, in the top 25. So congratulations on the program to getting there. 
Uh, speaking of top 25, one significant moment, as we mentioned, Scranton and Whitewater swipes, swap spots on the women's side to change things up a little bit. That was tonight. Earlier today, I talked to Carrie Carolla, the head coach of Wisconsin Whitewater. She didn't, certainly didn't know her team would be a top five team in that conversation. But the conversation I had with her, absolutely awesome and fascinating about what they talk about not only during the season, but also her take on why the new rules with Division Three are a little bit herky-jerky in terms of when she gets to meet with the team. Great chat with her earlier today. Now joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach of the Whitewater Women. Of course, we are talking to her ahead of the show, so we don't know where they are ranked as of now when this airs, but Carrie Carolla joining us on the show. And Coach, first and foremost, thank you for joining us. Congratulations. We're one month into the season. Uh, I'm sure it feels maybe longer or shorter than that. Yes, always longer. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, thanks for having me. It's always fun to get a chance to talk hoops and um yeah we're off to a good start so it's been a a fun start to our season so far curious does it feel longer in some cases because now you can be with your team in september for a period of days which breaks it up a little bit and then you get into october maybe it's a shorter preseason but you've been interacting with your team a little bit longer yeah i you know we've i've talked to a few other coaches about this too about how they've kind of managed those extra days and Um, We did utilize a few of them before the season started. And I'm going to be honest, I don't really like it. I I didn't like um, having the um, makes it seem really chunky. I guess you could say we get to have some contact days and then we wouldn't see them for a week or two. Um, Just check-ins and making sure everyone's okay, but I didn't feel like it really for us to get much accomplished and um yeah so i think it just kind of made season seem a little bit longer interesting take i hadn't heard that perspective but i certainly can appreciate it um i I know for a lot of people that it it, it helped them in terms of getting freshmen allocated and all of that jazz but i can certainly understand how it maybe becomes a little herky-jerky to mm-hmm. some degree what did you spend your time on there's i've heard coaches speak on a lot of different varieties of what they spent their september doing it really just preparing our players for kind of the structure of what our practices look like so that when they do um when we did start practice it, we could kind of hit the ground running and we'd obviously put in installed some of our offense and defense and things like that, but didn't try to overwhelm them too much with things. So, um, and we did utilize a couple days where we just backed it up right up to the first day of practice because we did have the exhibition game against the Badgers. So we wanted to be able to prep a little bit for that as well. Nice segue. Cause I was going to talk about the beginning of everything. You did have that exhibition game, great experience, I'm sure for the entire team. What's a what's your goal though going into a game like that, where you're playing a, a Big Ten team and you know you've got a lot of um, uh, eyes on you per se, but it's not really a, a game that's going to count for anything. So how do you balance expectations slash what you all are just trying to accomplish? Right, I think execution is important. Um, making sure that the possessions are clean, solid possessions. That's something that. Um, I talk a lot about that we stay structured and we stay disciplined and we don't kind of let the game get out of control, I guess you could say, because when you're playing against bigger, faster, stronger, it's really easy for that to kind of get 
away from you where, you know, lots of steals and transition layups for the opposing team. So we're really trying to minimize those types of, of plays. And then for me, the biggest thing is really kind of seeing how they handle the moment. Um, is it too big for them? Is it, uh, are they overwhelmed? You know, and it really does. I talk to our players a lot about, you know, utilizing this as a way to prepare us. If we have an opportunity to play in the postseason and play in a big game, what does that feel like? And how do you manage those emotions? And um, maybe you are playing against an opponent that might be a little bit better than us, then how do we handle that? So um, so that's really what I look, look for. I really want to see who competes and who isn't really intimidated by by the opponent's size and physicality and speed and quickness that that we would see against a Division One opponent. Great insight. I appreciate that. I assume also the score doesn't matter in your in your mind. No, the score doesn't matter, but we always want to keep it reasonable. <laughs> Fair. No, absolutely. I mean, you want to compete. It, it yes. counts in terms of competition, but I'm assuming you're going in, though, also, as you said, with the execution that sometimes you, you could be up 10 or down 10 if you're not doing what you want to do or or, or executing or even um, experiencing what you want to experience. You're going to try and craft that. Yes, absolutely. And make sure that um, it's it's all about just managing and controlling what we can control. Uh, we can't control that they're bigger, faster, stronger, but we can control how we handle that pressure and we handle that physicality and we don't let it, like I said, overwhelm us and let us kind of get caught up in the moment. How has that translated so far into the season? Oh, I think it helps a ton. I think it um, also shows us how they, how fast they're going to gel as far as the chemistry goes as well and how fast some of our young players will learn, I think is the other thing, because we've had to play a few freshmen this year a little bit earlier than I would like to. But um, in fact, we're starting a freshman uh, this year, which is um, not typical for us. So um, for me, I'm trying to you know prepare them as best I can, but um, I think it helps. I really do. And you know, just to have the opportunity to, to play in the Cole Center, to play against the Badgers, it's those are kind of some lifetime memories too that they'll have um, forever, which is uh, really special. And as a Division three program, you know, to be able to give our players those opportunities are really special memories that they'll have. Does last season play a role at any point here? Obviously, not for the freshmen, but for the upperclassmen in in the twenty three and seven campaign that you all had, falling in the second weekend in Massachusetts. Uh, to Trinity, Connecticut, all of that. Does any of that still pushing the team? Are you still learning from that experience? Absolutely. Um, you know, we felt like, uh, you know, nothing, not to take anything away from Trinity because they are a fantastic team and um, had a great season as well. But um, we definitely felt like our season was cut short and um, didn't reach the goals that we wanted to reach. So it's definitely been a motivating factor, especially for our returning players. And um, and they have made it really clear to our new freshmen and um, transfers that that is something that um, is hopefully not going to happen again if we get into that position. And so it's definitely um, pushed this group not only right now, but I think pr- probably mostly during the offseason. I think that that's all they talked about was – um, what we need to do this season to get ready so that um, we can have the best season that we can next year because we felt like it would ended a little too soon. Obviously, everyone all but one ends up losing, but I can certainly appreciate that, especially when you make a trip out to Massachusetts and, and you've got the energy that comes 
with that. It does that also go too far where you're still stuck on last season and you've got to focus on the here and now? Uh, no, I don't think for this group. It has happened to some of my teams in the past, but um, I don't think this group is really dwelling on that anymore. I think that it's been kind of fun because we've got some new faces and it's really given us kind of a fresh start and a fresh fresh look to our team. We're definitely a different team than we were last year as far as what we can do. So I think that they're just so excited, you know, for what we have ahead of us. And um, we decided this year for whatever reason to pack our our schedule with just great opponents I don't, we haven't had one game where we've been like, oh, well, this should be an easy one. They've all been just really strong, tough opponents. So, um, and we're getting ready to play another one on Saturday with Wheaton. So, um, I think that they're so focused on that that they aren't really thinking about what could possibly happen in March. To that point on the schedule, um, I'll get to that in a minute, but you say you're doing – well, no, let's get to the schedule. Then we'll talk about what you're doing differently. Uh, the schedule right now, a lot of teams right around 500 or better, obviously a little early to gauge what that really means. Some teams may have lost their final games of the season, for all we know. Um, you got a big win over Chicago last time out by 11. You beat Illinois Wesleyan prior than that uh, by a couple. As you point out, you got Wheaton ahead. You've had some other games in there. Concordia, Wisconsin's always been a pretty tough squad. Carroll and Rip and St. Norbert, Concordia, Moorhead. How how have you felt the season has begun? I know 8-0 looks like you're undefeated and things are good, but I also know behind the scenes a team can be undefeated and be really frustrated. <laughs> Yes. Um, I wouldn't say that we're frustrated. I think the start of the season we were, I think we were still just trying to find our way and um, really figure out how to put all the pieces together. And uh, and then having to play Concordia Moorhead, who had, you know, was coming off a fantastic year last year and won their conference. And then, you know, St. Norbert's who had won their conference and made an NCAA tournament bid. And, you know, so I think we were expecting to start faster but i think it was kind of good for us to be able to um see that we where we our weaknesses are and i think with each game we have seen you know something different that we need to work on and i think there's so much value to that and i think our team recognizes that and even with chicago um on saturday just a fun game to be a part of but um, I think that game really showed our team that we can we can play a really quality opponent and go head to head back and forth with them and be able to compete at that level. Um, that game to me was so tournament like it was so fun because um, Chicago is, you know, they're going to have an amazing season. So um, so it was really nice to see our team at this point of the season really develop and get to now where um, we can play some quality basketball. Is there any talk about the fact that a lot of these games are going to be ones that are going to be talked about come end of February and March in terms of the resume for this team and and what you guys are? Is there talk about that in the locker room and understanding what this game could impact? Or is that for you don't need to make it more complicated, as it were? No, I always talk about that all the time. Um, in fact, before the season even starts, uh, we talk about our schedule and um, how in Division Three there really is very little room for mistakes. Um, because if you don't win your auto, then you have to have a really clean resume. And so we talk about how important um, the games are, like Illinois Wesleyan, well, all of them really, um, but making sure that we we can beat quality opponents and we can beat teams that we sh- quote unquote should beat. 
Um, and so that's a constant conversation. They, our team knows, um, because of my committee experience, my NCA committee experience, um, I've really taken that and educated our team on, okay, this is what the committee is talking about. Um, so they understand that. And so I, not to put more pressure on them, but I just really want them to have like a really clear picture of, um, how we just, we can't have a night off. We have to try to play our best basketball when we, when we can and, um, and continue to work on the things to improve so that when it comes time to make those decisions for the committee, then we can have a, a strong presentation. Great perspective. And I always don't know what that balance is because I'm sure, as you said, you don't want to put pressure on necessarily and go, hey, uh, you know, it's the second game of the season, but just so you know, this could make or break it. Um, you know, that's yeah. obviously going to have a downfall to it. But at the same time, letting your your student athletes have the appreciation that even if it is a November game, this is going to be meaningful, even if it doesn't look so on paper. That's a great insight to kind of grasp and maybe other coaches to fully understand because I think to some degree there's probably other coaches out there who are still grappling with what's the best way to tackle this with my team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it also depends on your conference too. And um, I think our conference does a really nice job of, uh, of playing quality opponents as well. So that helps. Um, but there are years where that doesn't, that it may not be the case because our conference schools do have a really hard time getting games. So sometimes they just play who will play them. Um, so it, it kind of depends on that too. So if our conference season, if our conference opponents are playing strong opponents and winning those games, then we always feel a little bit better about our conference season, but um, you just never know. So that's why we always try to really bolster our non-conference schedule so that um, our, stre our strength of schedule um, is, you know, is helped by that out-of-season competition. Makes a lot of sense. Speaking of your conference, uh, you were picked by everybody to finish atop with Stout finishing second, Oshkosh third, then Eau Claire, Lacrosse, River Falls, Platteville, Stevens Point. Interesting enough, right now, Stevens Point off to a pretty good start, though we haven't played conference games. Uh, just and, and obviously, it's a coach's poll. Sometimes coaches take that really seriously. Some are having some games, and some are just like, whatever. Uh, well, how did they finish last year? And I'm not saying your conference. I just mean in general. Right. But what, is it, what does it mean that they think you're the best in this conference? And what does it mean that a stout and others are now kind of at the top of this conversation? Mm -hmm. This conference has really evolved over the years from my, from my seat. Yeah, it really has. Um, you know, first of all, it's a compliment. I mean, we're very appreciative that people think that we have the ability to win the conference again, which is um, is a real great compliment for my colleagues and um, and the other schools. So we definitely respect that. We don't take it lightly. Um, we feel very honored to have been selected to to win the conference. But I also tell my team that it's great that they picked us, but it really doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it really doesn't. But, um, you know, it's it's fun to talk about. It's fun for people to um, to be able to kind of gauge and see where everybody's at. But um, once again, our conference is going to be extremely tough. Uh, there is, yeah, UW-Stout came off a great year last year. They return everyone back from their team last year. Um, I think Platteville is going to be really tough. They just had a great win against Loris. Um, Oshkosh is, should be solid again. They have um, everybody back, plus a couple of great freshmen that he brought in. Um, so, yeah, and it's 
it's going to be tough. It's it's going to be a great conference. I you know Stevens Point. You mentioned them. They're off to a really great start. He has everyone back, and then added a transfer shooter that's that's playing really well for them right now. So, yeah, it's you know every year it's a it's a battle every single night, um, and we are you know still a work in progress right now. But hopefully by January we'll be ready to go. Um, but yeah, this conference is. Um, not one that you can take a night off for sure. So we'll we'll do our best to be prepared. You know, we talk a lot about win our home games and try to sneak out some on the road. <laughs> yeah, that, that's always our goal. <laughs> no, I get that, and and yeah, no bonus points or tiebreakers decided by the preseason poll. That's for sure. No, <laughs> no, we don't have to worry about those. Um, you talked earlier about the, that. There's differences with this team. Um, than the one from last year. And and we're certainly not expecting you to dive into the X's and O's and someone's going to take a scouting report off of you. <laughs> but I am curious from your perspective, and, and for those of us who, who may be tuning into a game in the near future or watching your team who don't have the full understanding, what are those differences that we can key on or understand as we watch the program? Yeah, I mean, I think we are um... – I would say we're a little bit more balanced than we were last year. Uh, we have a little bit more depth, which is nice, um, especially as the season goes on. You want to make sure you have fresh legs. And also to be able to have that is is really helpful. Uh, I think that we, you know, you look at Aaliyah Grundahl's stats and you're like, wow, she's, you know, had a great start to her season. Um, and you would think that we were like really leaning on her to do all of those things, but um, but we don't have to. I think that that's the kind of nice thing for her is that she doesn't feel that pressure that she has to go out and get 20 and, and 10 every night, that she's got teammates around her that are very skilled and have the ability to score and rebound and do all the things that um, we need them to do. So I would just say, yeah, we're just a much more balanced team. We've been able to kind of stretch the floor out a little bit more with the addition of Katie Hildebrandt because um, she can shoot from the perimeter as well as play around the rim. So um, so yeah, I'm excited for this group and there's good, a good chemistry amongst them as well. Um, they're enjoying what they're doing. They're having fun. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're excited with where we're at right now. To fill everybody in, Aaliyah Grundahl averaging 21 and a half points a game, 7.8 rebounds per contest, um, is involved in assists and steals and blocks, shoots 54% from the floor, uh, 79% from, or 78% from the free throw line. So certainly, an impressive player in her. Of course, number two on the team, familiar name that we've brought up on many occasions, a Casey Carollo. Uh, yeah. Time's running out on what we have all enjoyed as a novelty. She's hit some really big shots in the history of this program. What's it like to still be coaching your daughter? And this year's got to be a little bittersweet. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we have this year and then next year, obviously she'll be a senior, but, um, you know, it's, there's good days and there's bad days. <laughs> well, I'm not surprised. <laughs> you know, as, as a parent, um, but no, she uh, she's she's done a great job with managing all of that because it is it is difficult, you know, being the coach's kid, and um, so putting that pressure on herself and you know making sure she's not letting us down. You know, there's always those conversations, but um, she has worked really hard this summer. And um, she has put her heart and soul into her game and making sure that she really gets the most out of this experience, which is really kind of exciting for me to see as, as not only her mom, but as her coach as well. So I'm really proud of her and how she is definitely 
stepped up a little bit this year and taken on more of a leadership role with Aaliyah and then Maggie Trouch. Those are our three captains. So um, she's, she's done a great job with our freshmen. She's, you know, really put them under her wing and said, you know, this is what it's all about. So um, couldn't be more proud. And I'm excited for the season that she's going to have ahead of her. Yeah, I rushed it a little bit there. I had senior in my head for some reason, not junior. Uh, <laughs> not uh, yet. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm taking it away from you, Carrie. I, I apologize for that. <laughs> you got 21 players on this team. And quick look, it looks like most of them, if not all, have seen the floor already in the opening eight games. You talk about that depth. Obviously, you want to get some experience in there. But considering the teams you've been playing, the fact you've gone that deep already into the bench in at least a game or two Mm -hmm. tells me nothing. But I'm curious what it tells you about this team. Uh, that they really believe in what they can do. I think that that's the, that they believe in each other. So I think that, you know, they trust each other. That's super valuable as a, as a coach that, you know, I can put in my third forward and our start with our starters or, you know, a couple of our um, players that play more of the minutes and they feel confident they can play with them. I, you know, I think that that's, um, really unique. And so I'm very excited about the development of some of those younger players getting a chance to play with our upperclassmen um, because then they're going to just continue to grow. But um, I think the biggest word for this group is they really do trust each other. They respect each other um, and they're not afraid, you know, who they're playing with. They always feel pretty confident that um, whatever the the group is or the dynamic is that they'll be able to work together and um, accomplish whatever they need to do. Before I let you go, uh, a quick look ahead at what's coming, because it's an interesting kind of schedule here with the holidays and, and study exams and breaks, et cetera. You will play, as you mentioned, uh, Wheaton, another CCIW team coming up here on uh, Saturday. And then you get about a nine-day break, I assume, for exams. You'll go down to Puerto Rico where you'll play Manhattanville. And then usually a pretty tough Messiah squad, usually an NCAA perennial favorite then a break for the holidays and you start conference play on January 3rd and not slowly you are starting out of the gate with Oshkosh. So how do you handle this with the team in terms of obviously the games matter, obviously time off matters, but you don't have any warm up into the YX schedule in any way, shape or form. You're coming off the break into that. So I'm curious, how do you handle the next few weeks and what do you expect from these games? Yeah, I mean, we we definitely are looking forward to playing Wheaton. That's going to be another tough opponent. And then, you know, going out to Puerto Rico is always, you know, fun to be able to travel with the team. But PD did not give us an easy, <laughs> easy schedule. So um, we are going to have to make sure that we're focused, you know, for the first part of that trip and, and make sure that we um, play again to quality opponents and, and make sure we're ready there. But I actually really like not having a game that weekend before conference. We never have. Um, I know a lot of schools play some tournaments and stuff right before, um, but I really like having that little break before we get into our conference season because it allows for us to kind of rest, not only physically, but mentally, and then just have some really strong days of practice and then roll right into conference. So um, I really like our schedule. I know you're probably thinking that it's 
seems kind of strange not having a game, but, um, but we like it that way. So, and that's how we've always done it. So we, and I'm very much into routine, um, type of coach. So, uh, that's there, it's no different than what they've done in years past. So, um, this will seem normal for them, which is good. Gary, I, I've seen every variation of a schedule in December and January. There's nothing strange in my book. I've seen schools <laughs> take five weeks off. Yeah. Um, it, it is what it is. I do. It is interesting. You'll be on the road against Oshkosh and Eau Claire before returning home against Stevens Point and Stout. So it is a. Yes. Uh, we know the conference is tough from top to bottom anyway, but that is a certainly a gauntlet of a four. By the way, if you ever do change your mind, there's this great event out in Las Vegas between Christmas and New Year's. We've I'm, been I'm just there. saying. <laughs> I, I might be wearing the logo. I, just just a thought. If you ever want to change it up a little. Hey, Carrie, yeah, taking a lot of your. We, go ahead. We, we went to that tournament. Um, gosh, it's been a few years. It's been I a want while. to say 20, 2014. Was it 2014? Wow. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're running together. <laughs> yeah. And you guys always do a good job because we always play really, we played two really good teams when we were there. So I know you get a lot of great teams out there. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to this. I'll take this it into year. consideration. There you go. Bring the men's <laughs> team out as well. Quick thought, by the way, your cohort, Pat Miller, not alongside you this year. A little strange? Yeah, it's very weird. Um, usually he's in my office like every other day or I'm in his just chatting about basketball. But um, he actually is doing a really good job of of staying away. You know, I think that's the hardest part, especially yeah. um, with the team that he, you know, left behind because they're a really good team. I think yes. that he has done a great job of letting our new coach, Jared Wixer, um, you know, take over and uh, not trying to get in the way or anything like that, which is – um, which to me means Pat was, you know, he was ready to retire, which is a good thing. So True. good point. Um, but he's very happy. <laughs> yep. Playing lots no, of golf. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, I know he's in yes, enjoy him. Join a little bit more time to himself, uh, which I can appreciate. Hey, yeah. taking a lot of your time. Really appreciate the insight. Thanks so much. Glad to get you back on the show here. Um, and I hope you enjoy the next few weeks, win, lose, or draw. There is no draws, but whatever. Um, and you enjoy the holidays. As always, we give the coach, though, the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Yeah, just thanks for supporting women's basketball and, you know, D3 basketball. I think that um, anytime we can have a chance or a platform to have, you know, conversations about how great these athletes are and um, the phenomenal things that they're doing, I'm always excited to do that. So we appreciate all the things that you guys do at D3 Hoops and not just with D3 Hoops, but D3 Everything. Um, so just appreciative of all of that. And hopefully you guys can continue to do this forever. Well, at least as long as I'm coaching. <laughs> there you go. Now, I, I like your versions are a more attainable goal. We'll, we'll work on the rest of it. Okay. <laughs> hey, Carrie, thanks so much. Have a great time. Appreciate you taking the time to join us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dave. Carrie Carollo, join us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate Coach coming on the show. Great to talk to her. Um, great insight, not only about how she felt about the added time that they can see and interact with their teams in you know September if they want, um, versus waiting until October fifteenth, but also uh, the insight on how they talk about the games even in November and talk about. Everything else. I just thought it was great insight. Great to hear from her. Again, Tufts and Whitewater have both played eight games already this season. That is essentially a third of their schedule. Yes, counting some conference tournaments, you know, a third's going to happen in a, in a game or two. But it's a lot already out of the gate. 
Um, and then now long breaks, we get them all the time in December. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we will wrap things up, take a look at the D3 scoreboard from tonight. Nothing shocking, but we'll look at it anyway and wrap things up and start looking ahead to Thursday's show. You're listening to Hoops Show presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more after this. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at nabc1927. That's nabc.com or nabc1927 on social media. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division three school, you primarily a student-athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. on us to stop sexual assault in any way that we can to get a friend home safe to never blame the victim it's on us to stand up to make our community safe for all it's on us it's on us to look out for each other at parties it's on us to be more than just a bystander to step up and say something it's on us all of us to, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go into personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. 
We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back, Hoopsville. As we wrap up tonight's show, reminder, we will be efforting to go back to our normal schedule the rest of the way here this season. So we will be on the air on Thursday. And for basically, we're looking at going the rest of the way um, before the holidays in that way. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, don't really have an anticipation. The, the only trick would be the final Thursday show, whether... There's enough content to do that. So we'll be on the air on the 7th, on the 11th, on the 14th, and the 18th. We're scheduled to be on the air the 21st. That one's the only one that's always up in the air because sometimes there's just not enough going on. But if we don't do a show then, then we're off. We're going to be off for two and a half weeks. Uh, That would at least allow us to go to uh, just two weeks off. Um, We'll be back on the air January 4th. That would be when we come back and, and do a show. We will not do one on um new year's day so just a heads up again thursday seven o'clock eastern time um i haven't i haven't sent out the salvo yet to the guys uh but we'll hopefully be talking about the women's side of the top 25 kind of like we did tonight with bob quillman and matt snyder uh, on the women's side on thursday but i gotta check with the guys see if that's a, a feasible thing to do again top 25 came out uh, a couple of notes there. Interesting enough, Ryan Scott noticed this one, shared this with us internally. He says, the women's poll has two more loss teams than the men. When did that ever happen? We're so used to the men having far more losses in terms of the top 25, just in, in totality, than the women. And interestingly enough, right now, the women have more losses in their top 25. A uh, quick look at scores from around Division Three tonight, especially if you are joining us live um, Keene State, top 25 team take playing tonight, got a somewhat easy win, uh, 86-73 over Westfield State. They led 39-28 at halftime and then extended that lead by two into the second half. Uh, Gustavus Adolphus is starting the fourth quarter uh, against, I just literally forgot who they're playing, uh, St. Scholastica, that's right, 47-27 the lead, rather low-scoring game. St. Scholastica so far in the first three quarters has scored nine points in each quarter. Gustavus 13, 22, and 12. So kind of a weird game there for the Gusties, but they're going along. But back to the men's scoreboard. Uh, So Keene State with the win. Otherwise, Penn State Harrisburg with a dominating win over CCNY. By the way, Cabrini's one of those teams we're going to have to take a peek in at. uh, Final season for that program, and only the men's side is playing. Uh, They're having a decent year. Uh, by all accounts. Concordia Moorhead continues to win. They beat St. Mary's of Minnesota 71-57 today. Uh, on the women's side, we mentioned the Gusties. They're the only top 25 team in action on the women's side. Concordia Moorhead beat St. Mary's just in the other side of that doubleheader, 64-52. Interestingly enough, Suwannee played Bob Jones. You might remember Bob Jones just after they became a full member of Division Three, pulled out of Division Three, They could not find a conference member, but Swanee is still playing them. Uh, I wonder if that will come back into a conversation at a later time about schedules. 
nothing else really jumping out at me in terms of games, uh, but good results. Oh, boats and boats, boats. That's what happens when you take Bowden and Bates and you slam them together. You get boats. Bowden beat Bates in women's basketball, 68-48. That's a odd game to be played. I wonder if we missed something there. You don't usually see those teams playing this time of year, but or at this time of the of the season, but say la vie. I'm talking to a number of people, especially on my drive to and from Salem for soccer championships. Talk to a number of people down in Salem as well in the Roanoke Valley. The the changes we see in Division Three will continue. Um, the ASC is a linchpin for a lot more changes to come or people deciding to leave. Uh, they're going to get some more changes in the Mid-Atlantic up and through the Northeast, especially New York State. <clears throat> We're going to be talking about those changes down the road as well because I think it's rather interesting kind of where things were once and then where they led to and now where we are. So that's one of those to keep on the radar in their future. But I, I just feel like with, with schools closing and conferences kind of shuffling up and costs being cut, there's a lot of different things that we probably need to be a little bit more aware of in Division Three. And so we'll be talking a lot about that, those items coming up uh, in the next few shows. I'm going to just, it really basically is, we'll keep talking to coaches, but I'm going to try while we have it and things aren't as hectic in the basketball season, let's try and talk about a few topics um, that are of interest as well. So we'll, again, um, diving into some topics that I think are fascinating in some other areas uh, as well. By the way, I mentioned the, the Thursday shows coming up. What I forgot to mention was, um, shows later this season will have to get adjusted. So just be aware with us. Stay with us on social media. But there are going to be some dates coming up that we're going to have to move a show to an afternoon show or find another way to do it. Uh, we do plan to have the marathon show once again. I think we're aiming for, but there's no guarantee right now, for Thursday the 1st of February. I say that a little trepidatiously because there's a bunch of things that are kind of on the radar for me that could be impacted um, around that time so we got to figure it out but um, just a heads up that Thursday the 1st is maybe probably where we'll do our marathon show and it it's going to be another great season of Division 3 basketball as many have said. A uh, quick answer to questions people might know yeah we've got jerseys up we haven't really rearranged them. Jeez I just realized there's a box just unceremoniously in the camera shot there. Ah! We'll have to do some more cleaning. This week's kind of the first slower week that I've had in quite some time. We'll do some more cleaning up around here. But I, I'm serious. If you want, if you got some paraphernalia, you've got some uniforms, or you got something you think would look great on the studio walls, let us know. We are working for the January portion when we get back to start featuring even more of the studio because there is more of the studio, as I try and show that to you, to be shown. Um and so we'll find a way to get it onto the show, into the studio, on the shelves, something. Uh, we'll even widen the camera shots if necessary to show more. So if you've got a uniform or paraphernalia you think would be, would be great for the Hoopsville Studios, contact us. We'll get you our mailing address and so on and so forth. If you are an advertiser or somebody who's got a company who wants to advertise or sponsor on this show, contact us. Uh, we are 
going to be making a full-throated effort that by January we have a little bit more of that going on um, because um, it is tough to do this show, and we've got some grand plans beyond just Hoopsville. So, But I digress from there. Really big thanks to our guests tonight who came on the show. First off, Bob Quillman and, and Matt Snyder. Great to chat with those two guys about the season already underway. Bob's QCast is always a an interesting chat with an individual or individuals and the data guys are already diving in deep on implications of pool C bids and the like. I almost feel like saying we will not talk pool C on this show um, in terms of it did a win into, you know, drive a decision or whatever for in, until at least mid January, it will come up, but I'm not diving into numbers until much closer to the end of the January month, because it's just, it's too chaotic, but those guys do a great job, and if you're into that thing, they're certainly worth a listen. Uh, also, thanks to uh, uh, Brandon Linton from Tufts. Great to chat with him and get his perspective on the t- on the Jumbos and the NESCAC and how he got the job there and all of that. And great to hear from Kerry Carrillo as well. Great to have you all tune in. Sorry to you those. Sorry to those of you who enjoy watching it on Facebook. For reasons I don't understand, Facebook didn't want to connect tonight, and it definitely was not on our end. I can say that with some confidence. With that, we're going to sign off. If you've got any questions for us, you can always contact us on social media or email. That's certainly all that information at the bottom of your screen. We certainly post it often. Please feel free to use it. If you um, have a guest idea, if you think we should talk to a certain team, whatever the case may be, um, send it along to us. We'll certainly consider it best we can and in the meantime thanks to everybody who has supported the show as always including d3hoops.com and everybody behind the scenes quick shout out to stay with d3football.com semifinals for football coming up this weekend it'll be Cortland at Randolph-Macon and North Central at Wartburg two spectacular games after four great games in the quarterfinals leading up to the Stag Bowl once again in Salem Virginia for its 50th anniversary Looking forward to that. So please, don't waste uh, don't waste a moment. Get all your uh, football fix at d3football.com and then come back here for your basketball fix at d3hoops.com. And don't worry, somewhere down the road, we will be previewing the d3hoops.com Classic in Las Vegas as well. So there you go, folks. That's the show, and that's a wrap. To those of you listening to the podcast, thanks for waiting it out. We finally got the shows up if you're listening to this one. And uh, it just took us a little bit of time, but appreciate your patience. With that, we'll sign off. Good night, everybody. Have a great rest of your week. We'll look forward to seeing you back here Thursday live at 7 o'clock or on demand, wherever you may be listening to the show. You've been listening to Hoops Soap, presented by D3Hoops.com. Back on Thursday with so much more.